The following program may be explicit. And he's a laser-printed hero, a figure cast in lead. And if you miss a dice roll, he may just end up dead. Don't forget about his backstory or family info. And if this is his last stand, that's just how the story goes. You're listening to Happy Jack's RPG Podcast. Pursuing the RPG hobby with reckless abandon and beer. Yeah, got the rhythm and the rhyme flowing. Get your feet and your booty going. But it's a little too hip for this impending nerd blast that is Happy Jack's RPG Podcast. Thank you for joining us for Season 15, Episode 13 of Happy Jack's RPG Podcast. My name is Stu. This is Tim. This is Benji. This is Stork. New guy. Who, new who guy? are you? This is the new Where? guy. Who is that guy? Hi, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Dr. Nick. Hey, can I ask the questions, too? Yeah, go ahead. Who are you, and what do you do that makes you famous? Jack shit. Uh, actually, I'm Ben. Well, Mr. Shit. <laughs> That's right. Welcome, Jack shit, to Happy Jack's RPG Podcast. Yeah, right. <laughs> and I'm Benji, otherwise known as Mike. I've been uh, working. Let's see. I've been going to conventions and renaissance fairs for four, far too many more years than I'd like to admit. And uh, I've been attending a lot of the uh, Happy Jack games at the cons. Finally back to it after a couple years out. And I'm stupid enough to start running them again. Yay! Yay. Our, Stu beat me by one. By like about one hour getting my I saw you post that. Like, I'm going to post my game. <laughs> hey, Stu. So yeah. you posted on Facebook today that we had a new host. Yeah. is I assume that's Mr. Jack Shit here. Is he going to be a recurring host? Well, I, we'll find out after today. <laughs> I'm on double secret probation. We need somebody to replace Tim. Oh, oh, oh hey, shit. hey, hey. Well, see, that's why I was asking. If he's a new guy and he's recurring, I'm no longer the new guy and I'm no longer the probie. I'm so, FNG, is that it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, cool. yeah pretty much. FNG? I have... Uh, I'm not the new guy anymore. <laughs> Suck it. That Jim. wasn't very long. No, it, well... Uh, it was a very short tenure as new guy. 1408 was my first. Okay, all right. So... How soon is love? Love is now. Thank you, uh, Andrew. The Q&A. By the way, if you'd like to email the show, you can email us at happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. That's happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. We do the show live on Friday nights, and we will do the show live on Friday nights through no... No, October. Yeah. October. It's a drop. And after that, <laughs> we'll go back to Saturday mornings, probably 1030, uh, depending on my yoga classes. Um, and you can listen live at happyjacks.org slash live. That's happyjacks.org slash live. We have a Twitter account if you want to tweet us. So if you're on the tweeters, you want to go to happyjacksrpg or with the, an at sign in front of it. Or the twatters, as Scully said. That, that would be, um, that's the past participle of tweet. That's right. I twatted. I twatted. Well, right. if, if it's a twatter, it's not a dangling participle, that's for sure. Completely different <laughs> website. <laughs> um, it's more demonstrative than anything. And, and that's good enough. So there you go. Um, we've got there. I think I have the date. I think I can find it. I'm going to look really quick and see if I can find it. Nerd Strong Jim is going to hold a mini convention. Yes. And I think I'm supposed to talk about it. So I'm going to. If I can find this. 
and we look real quick. Someone say something while I'm And they're this. they're actually going strong too. I was uh this is uh something Kimmy's been involved with for a while. It's the the, the nerd workout mm-hmm. and uh it's going like gangbusters. I actually was driving, minding my own business, listening to NPR, sort of half listening, and suddenly they they talked about uh, this, you know, like which story is real, and and Nerdstorm was mentioned, and the people were like, that can't be real, and so they didn't <laughs> guess it. And it's like, yep, and so it was. It's made international news. Nice. Keep talking. Yeah, now. yeah, they're doing real good. They really are. Hey, um, while we have this. no, go ahead. Yeah, oh, go, okay, go, awesome. go, go, go. I wanted to pimp a game, if pimp, that's okay. Pimp your game, bitch. And, no, not mine. I wanted to just take a couple seconds and talk about Deluxe Tunnels and Trolls, because I've been reading it lately, ah. and it's awesome. Is it do really? Guys, do you guys remember Tunnels and Trolls? Of course, from oh, yeah. Back in the weed, it was the second... Uh, the RPG. Se- the second RPG ever. It was released in 75. Wow, a year was it at, really? Yeah. yeah. A year after Dungeons & Dragons, and two years before RuneQuest. Second one ever. Uh, did it predate Gamma World? Yes, yes it did. Okay. Yes, it did. And it predated Traveler. Uh, no, Traveler was 77, yeah. I think. Yeah, Tunnels okay. and Trolls first edition no came out in 75. Wow. No shit. And they released a deluxe Tunnels and Trolls, which I've been reading. I got at, um, I mean, I totally didn't get it at, at Strategicon uh-huh. at all. I didn't, didn't get it there at all. I don't think she's listening. No, that's right. She's probably not listening. <laughs> I, I got it at Strategicon. Uh, and it's you, re- you stole it from the table. No, I totally, no, no, no. <laughs> I bought it, unless my girlfriend's listening, in which case I stole her from the table. But I bought it. <laughs> uh, but it's her. it's really, really cool. And I'm really liking it. And uh, um, I think everyone should check it out. It has a combat system that is very much an abstraction. Uh, and not in a and d way. But armor is also um, damage resistance. Okay. All right. And uh, it even <laughs> it even has this it even has this awesome thing. So you don't roll initiative. You just all the people on one side make their attack damage rolls. All the people on the other side make their attack damage rolls. You subtract the larger number, or the smaller number from the larger number, and what's left over is the damage that is applied to the losing side. And they get to split that up however they want amongst the. That's things. very abstract. It totally wow. is, wow. which is awesome. But on the losing side. All of the sixes that they roll, because it's a D6 based system, mm-hmm. is called spike damage. And for each six, the winners just take a point of damage because it's not a turn based round. It's a fucking melee. It's everybody right. attacking everybody at the same time. And it's really cool. I'm huh. really excited to run it. That sounds cool. I'm hoping that maybe, like, for one of our Mode of Sin days or something, if you are not, yeah. not feeling yourself, I can do run the, a little session. Do the th- sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, the, the I was looking, I was reading through uh, Edge of Empire, mm-hmm. um, and the initiative system. Have you are familiar with it at all? I, I think am I'm not. Yeah. Well, everyone rolls initiative, right. and, and but you get slots. But who you put in each slot is up to the side that rolled that slot. Mm. So if you mm-hmm. if you know you roll your initiative and you say okay the party gets one, then the GM gets one, then the party gets two, and the GM gets one, and then the party gets one, the GM gets two. The first one that the party gets isn't necessarily the person who rolled that number. It could be any character in the party. So the party can say, "Okay, who do we want to go first? It makes oh, that's for really interesting cool. strategy. It really, yeah, does. yeah, it does. Yeah, it just sounds awesome. Just interrupt it. <laughs> Everybody does. Wait a minute! I'm not the new guy anymore. Interrupt him. Don't interrupt me. He's a guest right now. God damn it. He has guest status, so you're still FNG. 
Second time he's on, he doesn't have gut status. When are you coming back? <laughs> when, hey, I'm just on pro- secret, uh, double secret probation. So Right. This may be my it's first and last time. still probation, though. <laughs> double secret probation is more probation than whatever probation I'm on. So, But you're still FNG. Yeah. <laughs> Damn it, even so, the new guy's hitting me with Watch your shit. ass. <laughs> um, okay, here we go. Uh, now, this has not been officially announced. Did I really announce this? What's that? I'm going to, yeah. Uh, Saturday, November 21st uh, is when they're going to hold their mini-con. There's going to be two game sessions. Uh, they're still arranging who's going to be running what games. I'm going to yeah. try to run Edge of Empire. And that if if the scheduling works out, which may be hard for me, I'm going to run a Deluxe Tunnels and Trolls game. Awesome sauce. Uh, yeah. And they have two sessions, uh, one to five, and then six to ten. That's what they're mm-hmm. looking at right now. Now, if I go, am I going to be forced to work out? Yes. If you if you critically not. fail, you have to do yeah. burpees. Yeah. I'll, I'll, yeah. <laughs> I'll have a heart attack right there in the gym. Just drink awesome. a lot of beer. It makes them come much easier. <laughs> <laughs> I give new meaning That's to the That's what she said. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So that, that's, that's coming up. And then, of course, you know, we have the September, February con coming up. Uh, that's Orcon. Orcon. Right? Orcon. Yeah, sure. 2015? 20, 20, no, February, but 2016. Yeah, yeah. Did you come? We just, yeah. And that would be uh, Valentine's Day weekend. Yeah. How, how fitting for GameCon. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I could, oh, I could take Mary as a Valentine's Day present. Don't she do it. She would love that. That would go you over rad, totally would <laughs> Okay, I'm gonna on a pool and you know. <laughs> I right. I'm gonna a have Crystal a bunch of... talk to Mary, and I did that one time. Don't do it, man. Just did you really? Don't. Do... Yeah, and she's still with me, but oddly enough. How did that work? Wow. She's a gamer, though. Oh well, that's different. That's different. <laughs> well, Mary's a gamer. She's a MMOer. We just re we just reactivated her account on Warcraft, mm-hmm. and we actually got me an account too. So I've been. Sticking my toe in the <clears throat> Warcraft pool. First time ever. I've never played it before. Hmm. You're hey, going to hell. Oh, Tyler's in the chat room. Hey, Tyler. Hey, oh, yeah, Tyler. Tyler. Wow. I, had to, I had to bring in two guys to replace you. Yeah. Hey, I'm, <laughs> as, I'm just as much of a man as Tyler is. He's fucking tall, though. I mean... Yeah, he's tall. Tall drink he of water. Tall. He is a, he's a tall, <laughs> luscious drink of water, that guy. <laughs> so, since, since you're new, do you want to read the first email? Sure. The inaugural email. This okay, is, this, this is um, emails huh? from Anthony. Okay, yeah, it's Mike's son. Let me let me adjust it a little bit. True. He's going to adjust my mic. That's right. Good. All right. Don't okay, this email is from Anthony. Hey guys, I wrote a really long email about competitive versus collaborative storytelling after hearing across the game store. Okay, I'm supposed to insert nerd voice. Let's see if I have one. Well, I'm going to punch Dave, then heal him to show how much better my bard is at healing than his cleric. But then I realized it was summed up by, don't be a douche. If you want to be competitive, go play a war game, and at least be honest about it. Anywho, take a drink. Yay! Oh, there it is. It's back. In response to last week's self-proclaimed min-maxer, I often find that by working with the restrictions of a character creation can lead to a far more interesting character. For example, in a World Darkness game, I wanted to run a mob boss. Of course, in the system, he would need tons of merits and contacts, allies and resources, etc. 
Not something you can afford a character creation, so instead I ended up making a retired mob boss who had been overthrown, forced to live out of town in a meager home, but with many of his old contacts and a scary reputation in town. All in all, excuse me, all in all, far more interesting than my carbon copy Italian. Should I be doing this in like a Mario I think that'd be a now? carbon copy, wouldn't it? Carbon uh, copy. Uh, carbon copy. Hey, it's a, hey, it's a me, a Mario. <laughs> <laughs> so my question is, are some systems better for making interesting characters? It seems like D&D is for theatrical war gamers rather than fully developed character and story. Uh, P.S. If Stork is playing a vampire porn star from the 70s, does this mean his porn stash regrows every night? Yes. We actually had a talk about this. Yeah. We were trying to figure out, because like in Interview with a Vampire, right. their hair, they, they're, they're stuck in the style they were in when they got turned. But it's kind of up to the GM. It's a real soft sort of, it's not really spelled out yet. So it's kind of up to Stu. Figure out if our hair grows normally, and then like some vampires, they don't even have hair, so there is like a physiological change that happens, like the Nosferatu. Yeah, right. So ugly fuckers. We kind of went back and forth trying to figure that out, and ultimately we decided it's up to Stu. It's Stu's world, and you know, if you some vampires maybe their hair grows. I think I think vampire hair generally grows, only for simplicity's sake. So Albert's porn stash gets longer every night. It would. Although he could shave it, and then it's going to... Well, it's going to get... Yeah, I would think it grows. If not, it's going to be like a Fu Manchu after right. a while. <clears throat> they do say that even hair and nails continue to grow after, after you die. After you die, right. Yeah. And he is also... He's a... Whatchamacallit? A gangrel. 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 So they're all like hairy and shit. And that's not a 70s porn star look, but he should have like the big bushy beard and the big hair, Right. You would think. Although, I would think so. Yeah. I, I, I tell you what I, what I was trying to do, except I don't have the skill set for it. Uh-uh. Because <clears throat> you know there's a... It, this is kind of a spoiler if you haven't heard the third mode of sin, but there is an, an um, artist... Rendering, yeah. Rendering of Stork's character that's being circulated by the police, right? Oh. I was going to take a, a picture of Harry Reams <laughs> and put a... Put a uh, um, a piece of like tracing paper over it and like sketch it out, but then I looked at Harry Reams. I'm like, I don't know if anyone would recognize him I was from this say, angle. Currently, <laughs> everybody is now going to the Googles to figure out who the fuck Harry Reams is. You could do that in paint on. They're like, just he must be the... really old. He must be from the '80s. Nope, it's just before no, that. The pencil, but no one's going to recognize. I mean, unless you're in at least in your 40s, you're not going to even know who Harry Reams is. Exactly. You're not going to recognize. You know who Harry Reams? Yeah. Well, I'm Deep 47. Throat. Deep Throat. Yeah, so, he, was he was in Deep Throat. He, he was the doctor with in Deep Chambers Throat. a couple of times behind the green door. Ah, right. uh, the classics. Yeah, <laughs> all the best porn come from the seventies. <laughs> hey, there was no manscaping back then. It's just like full fro. <laughs> That's oh right. yeah, everyone was full fro. <laughs> what, what, what was it? A friend of mine always say, "Boosh, boosh, boosh." Down there. <laughs> it doesn't look that big. No, not that. The boosh, the boosh. It's uh, you don't mess with the Zohan. Don't mess with the Zohan. Oh, that's, uh, <laughs> what's his name? It's probably his funniest movie. Yeah. What's his name? He's good. The dude's only gods. Only gods. <laughs> Adam Sandler? We're just yes, gonna let, yes. Adam see, Sandler, I was just going to let him suffer. I'm going to like, let's so let him suffer. So was I. <laughs> I couldn't remember. <laughs> Fucking new guy. So, uh, dude! <clears throat> Guest. God damn it. Guest. <laughs> FNG. <laughs> so I can't wait for your second episode. So what I, I want to talk about character creation, class-based right. versus point-by, versus hippie world's games. 
which is what I call Apocalypse World games now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm right there with you, man. Pretty much. Um, which is fine, but three totally different ways of, of doing character creation. One incredibly freeform, one very freeform, and one kind of not freeform. And how that affects creating characters. The kind of characters that you're willing to, that you are, think you're capable of making. And I want to kind of dovetail this in with last week's que- uh, question about ignoring stats. I don't know if you remember that. I'll bring it up when we get to that point. Last last week, I, I haven't finished week. listening well, to it, and I wasn't on last week. Don't worry about yeah. it. So you'll have to refresh. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So, first off, do you have a preference for class based versus point by character gen? Me personally, nah. You don't. I don't. You I, don't. I play whatever. You know, I I tend to be. But if you, if you're a player and you for for some reason get to tell the GM. This is the game you're going to run. Is it? Is that particular game going to be a point-by game, or is it going to be a class-based game? Honestly, for me, it's going to be whatever game I just happen to have a hard-on for at the moment. Right now, it's Deluxe Tunnels and Trolls. So I say, oh, run Tunnels and Trolls. Gamer like, ADD. Yeah, a couple <laughs> weeks ago, it was Fate. So I run a Fate game. Um, I can say that, personally for me, I am influenced by the system when I make... I tend to be a, a thespian, kind of. like The mechanics, that's not important to me. I will play shitty mechanics if it's got a cool concept behind it. Mm-hmm. But the mechanics do influence the type of character I'm going to make. Uh, I was playing a, a D&D 5 game, and uh, D&D 5 has this awesome thing for a background, where you can specify a background, and that background will give you certain benefits. So I came up with a rogue who... Shit. I maybe shouldn't say this. Oh, it doesn't matter. I'm not playing that game anymore. I came up with a rogue who had the... Um, I don't remember what the background was, but it gave him the ability to cast cleric spells. So I came up with this rogue who was pretending to be a cleric of good. Okay, right. And um, it was an awesome concept. It was not optimized at all. He was not, you know... He was not min-maxed. He was not anything like that, uh, but he was a fun character concept, and that, that's what I look for. And that's that, it, to me, it doesn't matter if it's class based or whatever. Tim the Thespian, they say, with a lisp, or so I've heard. That's from the chat room. <laughs> you know, the, character. The GM of that game uh, heard heard the episode where everyone was making fun of me for only having characters that lisp, and she was like, "I wish I was in the the chat room because I would have stood up for you." <laughs> Because that character, he did not have a lisp. Oh, he didn't. He no. had one that didn't. But okay. yeah, but everything was good because he was he was a servant of the gods of good. Right. So it it's good that we're going over here to, you know, fight these monsters because they're, they're not, not good. good. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was double plus ungood. I use that shit a lot too. Right. So. Okay. So he was a rogue that was pretending he was a cleric. Yes, and because there's a, I was able to take a feat at first level. The GM allowed that optional system. Rule, that was D and D five. Okay. I was a human, so uh, an optional rule for a human is you can take a feat at first level instead of getting a plus one in every attribute. So I took a feat that was Magic Initiate, I think, which let me cast a, a couple of cantrips and a single first level spell from a class-based class. So I chose, or from a spell casting class, I chose Cleric, and I gave him the background of, oh, Charlatan, 
Charlotte okay. was the right. background that I gave him. <clears throat> so you were a televangelist. Yeah, totally, <laughs> totally. Okay, just just want to make sure. I could Absolutely. do I could do minor heels. I was I was thinking more like Friar Tuck, who's ostensibly a uh, you yeah. Know. Yeah, I, I could do like minor heels and shit like that. Um, we we got up to like third or fourth level, and then everyone in the party was going like, "Dude, I don't think you're really a cleric," because I was still doing like a first level heel, and they're all doing like third level heels. Like, oh shit! But yeah. So anyway, oh, well, it, go ahead. Yeah. Point point by versus versus. Uh, class you know i'm gonna have to say it depends on the system really i'm someone who will just like say hey let the dice fall where they may uh i've played dungeon crawl classics which is kind of my recent thing right now where you really hardcore just say you roll the three dice in order like old school D and that's your strength etc and i'll play whatever i've got uh if it's a really story-based game and it's like more theatrical or there's a lot of uh, you know emphasis on the storytelling I, I prefer a point-based system. It's, uh, I think even most games nowadays, like the newer version of Dungeons & Dragons, Pathfinder, of course, Savage Worlds, a lot of them have a point, they either are a point-based or they have an alternative system for a point-based system. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. and I see a lot of new players going into it as well. They have a concept in mind of, I want to play this certain type of character. I want to be, you know, the Grey Mouser. I want to be Conan or something like that. Right. And, a lot of times it's easier for new players and even some you know, veterans to go and say, yeah, I, I got this cool concept, and it's easier to use a point-based system for that usually. Oh, sure. Yeah. That's, that's actually really good. I mean, it, if you're talking about like pros and cons, point-based systems certainly are going to give you more flexibility. Sure. Just by, by their very nature. And, but on the other hand, a class-based system, if you're like, talking about brand-new players... Is going to give you very recognized archetypes. Sure. Right off the bat. Sure. I want to play a guy with a sword. Okay, here's the fighter. But you can make him a little different than another fighter, but you're the guy with the sword. Or you're the guy who steals shit. But to Mr. Actual New Guy's point here. Uh huh. You're going you're gonna to go there, right? I'm going to go yeah. there, yeah. All night long. <laughs> he, All night long. He, he, I don't like let up. He's a dog with a bone. Him. He will not let it go. <laughs> He's going to do this for six sessions. Oh, you're just. You're just reeling from the mode keep, of sins, though. Keep, keep going. <laughs> um, but that's a good point, that especially with a, a lot of modern... My soundboard's back up. Oh, I'm so happy. <laughs> I'm uh, very good. But with a, a lot of class-based systems, they're actually becoming more point-by systems. Like Pathfinder in D&D 5, you can roll dice for your attributes, or you can just... You know, here's so many points, and or or, 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 you want. or here's a, an array, or here's an array, right? Uh, Tunnels and trolls, which is of course my system du jour, and everyone right. should check out Tunnels and Trolls now. It does the same thing. You can roll three d six for all your attributes, or you can just divvy up eighty four points. Oh, okay. So there's a lot of you know, percentile dice. No, it's okay. all d six. It's all d six. Okay. All d six. Okay. Okay. Yeah, it's so cool, so cool, so cool. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, but a lot of, uh, like I said, uh, just agreeing with All right. Mikey over here. Do you mind Mikey? Just leave it at Benji. Benji? All right. <laughs> how, do, yeah. how do you get Mikey. Benji out of Mikey? Yeah. Okay. I, that, that's, why, that's why I didn't come out and just say guess, Benji. Let me guess. Middle name. No. Oh. When I started Renaissance Fair back in, <clears throat> there were five Mikes in the Sea Dogs. We mm. all went by our characters' names. Yeah. I was Benji McGee. Okay. Mm. All right. That makes sense. Because I've always known you as Benji. I didn't really. When okay. I saw your name on the on the 
schedule. I'm like, who the hell is that? That's okay. When I got married, before people were saying, hey, weren't you getting married to Benji? What happened? Who's Michael? Who's Mike? <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that's me. Sorry. Uh, Benji brings up a really good point, and, and you actually clarified it really well for me. Uh, I, it depends on the game I'm playing. If I'm playing a superhero game, I totally want a point-by system. I want to design and craft my character, and yeah. I want to buy in my superpowers and all that. If I'm playing a fantasy thing, I kind of like the archetypes. And what I like about playing around on that archetype thing is taking that archetype and turning it on its ear or finding a new way to approach it, like uh, a bard who is who's tone deaf, mm-hmm. right? Or uh, a fighter who who uses his fists instead of a sword, right? You know, but he's not a martial artist. He's yeah. like a, he's a pugilist, <clears throat> a pu- or, or something something like that. Because I always find that kind of fun to play around with, just the, the classic archetype to turn it on its ear. Um, and then the hippie world games are kind of the same thing. You have to show up with a concept, and then you sort of develop it as you go. But I kind of find that hard. Like, oh man, I got to come up with a concept right here and now. Here we go. Uh, okay, it's uh, I'm going to be this. I'm, Sometimes I just want the comfort of an archetype and discover something as I go along. Well, that, I mean, that that's something that I kind of like, I, I, well, I especially like about the Traveler character generation system. It's not point by. It's random. Uh-huh. Yeah. You don't have to think about your character concept going into it. You can't think about your character yeah. concept going no. into it. You can say, my intention when I turn 18 is to join the Navy. And that may or may not happen, yeah. and you have zero control after that. And it's really refreshing, and and you get this and then you get a character who has all this sort of framework of history, and you can kind of piece together. Okay, who is this guy? That's kind of a fun process. Like when you're doing a GURPS hero or a, or a hero character, you have to show up and go. All right, I'm going to be a fighter. I'm going to use a sword, so I'm going to be this. And you have to make all these decisions. Yes, ahead of time, and you come out with this character that. That you know, you 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 kind of almost show up at the table with a concept in mind that you've thought about. You should. I think you should. And, and with I, most pay, and, and to me, that's it's a that's a bit. You know, it's a bit like homework or something, or it's a bit. And, and that's fine again if you want to make a superhero. But I I, I kind of like the surprise of just you start out with a fighter and eventually gains this personality and you you come up you come up with new ways to do it. You know, that, at least for a class based system for me. So maybe s- maybe that's a survival tactic I developed in D and D world. Because it was always class based, so you're always like, oh, I don't want to play another dwarven fighter with a hammer. What can I do? Hmm. Do you know Fate, Stork? Uh huh. So, I know Fate Accelerated, so I don't know all the full Fate core rules, but essentially, you start off with your high concept, which is just a short one or two sentence, you know, real high overview of what your character is. Then you set your trouble, and then you can set up to three more aspects. Do you find that's enough to come up with a Good character, not really, and I'm not a big fan of Fate. Yeah, uh, on, on yeah. The, any of the permutations, I've played Accelerated and I played Fate Core, but I haven't done Dresden yet. I mean, that might be a little bit different. Dresden is <laughs> more like Accelerated. Yeah, uh, it was early on the Fate game system. Yeah, it's kind of like Fate 2.5. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's what I gathered. Um, so, so you find if you were going to do that in Fate, you would have to set those and mm-hmm. then come up with other stuff just on another sheet of paper that would help you identify your character more. Right. And then okay. you, know, you come up with these concepts like uh, never use a sword or swords are for sissies or something, you know, and you have to like, now, now all of a sudden I'm coming down with a concept and I'm having to write it right then and there. Whereas if I just start out with a fighter and I'm like, you know, halfway through the game, I'm like, I'm not going to use a sword anymore. Or, 
you know, maybe I couldn't afford a sword at the beginning because I rolled shitty for, for starting money. I'm like, uh, okay, I'm going to use my fist. Something like that always. I don't know. I, I, I play around in the class-based system, and I have a lot of fun with that, I think. To, probably to the detriment of the group. You play a fighter and you can't use a sword? You douche! We're going to die! You know? <laughs> yeah, they're we talking about you about that. <laughs> yeah. Chat room, yeah. They're talking about what? Well, no, they're, they're talking about but if everyone makes a an oddball character that works outside of his archetype, in the party, you're going to have a party that's completely dysfunctional. In oh, 4E, certainly. Or, and and, and, <laughs> and my answer to we that... We know from experience. My answer to that is... So what? So what? Right. Yeah. You know, you then, having fun? Then, then as a GM, you need... That's what your players want to play. Then, you know, cater to that. Every fantasy game I've started, people have said, well, what do you, what, what do you need in the party? I'm like, dude, I don't care. You yeah. guys all wind up... Making four or five wizards, then I will run a awesome. wizard-centric game. I know. I'd right. like a, I've always wanted to like have a party just full of bards. Yeah. I think it would be just like the coolest sort of spy master kind of thing. Could be. Could uh, be. The, the one thing the point-by systems give you the... Hmm. Hello, Cleveland. The, the, the one thing that, <laughs> that point-by systems give you is they give you a benefit for doing something like this. I was playing a GURPS Rifts game. We were playing Rifts, but using GURPS. I just said nanorism. I, I know. <laughs> it was it was actually an amazingly fun game. I was playing... Is there actually a setting book for that? No, it was just something the GM at the okay, time house right. rolled. He knew Rifts, and he knew GURPS, and said, I like Rifts, the world, and all of their fluff, and I like GURPS, the rules. Right. So... Just be Lloyd says, I only play one personality anyway, the party splitter. <laughs> <laughs> kind of true, I think, in the last few, like, like uh, of course, I'm playing a gangrel who always wants to operate alone. So that's, You yeah, are, this the, one. in that game, you are the quintessential party well, splitter. I, I, I'm the only gangrel. It's, it's, it's what we do. It says loner right there is my primary concept, I, if it were fate. I, I think that your character sheet has... Um, What's it called? A watermark. It just says loner. You know, yeah, the, from one corner to the next, it, huge watermark. If you actually look at the character sheet, like the second thing you see is, you know, concept or whatever, nature. Loner. Oh, you took the, the loner nature? Yeah. Oh, God, no wonder. Okay. They should just change that to party splitter. Yeah, totally. They totally should. I have a question. Mm-hmm. Thinking about it, going back to, okay, a lot of us probably started with the class-based systems just because of the yeah. general age in the room. Uh, what are you saying? <laughs> what are you saying, sir? <laughs> Then I'm old as dust, okay? Oh, but, no, no, I uh, guess I can't all right, you know, so, argue too much about that. What I'm thinking is a lot of times I wasn't coming up with a concept because I'm starting at first level. I'm not going to be the veteran that has some special power in the dragon mark tattoo or something like that. I was a peasant farmer who decided to pick up a sword instead of a plow, and I want to go and attack an orc. And so we were, you back in the day, you were developing the character as you were playing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A story right. arc <gasps> where your character develops and changes over time? By You'll get in trouble for that, sir. You're not making an archetype. Well, that's <laughs> sticking to it. Back in the day, uh, uh, original Dungeons and Dragons was very much like a lighter version of Traveler. You rolled your abilities in order, and then you picked your class based on where the dice fell. If you wanted to play a fighter, but you had a high wisdom, you probably were going to wind up playing a cleric, because that's yeah. the way the dice rolled out. Mm-hmm. Interestingly enough, though, I'm going to go into... Original Dungeons Dragons pedant here. Uh, original Dungeons Dragons didn't have that. You could play whatever class you wanted to. If you had uh, a four strength and you wanted to play a fighter, you still could. You would just take an experience point hit. 
You would just suck at it. You would totally suck at it. Yeah, but anyway. Is this where we go into back in my day? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> back when we only had six-sided dice. We I was he's rolling. A kid. When I was young, I only had yeah. three-sided dice. Yeah. <laughs> I love you, Stork. You're awesome. Well, compared to the rest of us. How old are you? What do you think? It's not a disclaimer. 42. 36. 38. Dude, I I'm I love you guys. I'm forty seven. He's still probably kid. how old are you? Forty seven. Oh, they're both kids. 50, yeah. <laughs> 49. Kids, you've got three <laughs> years on us. I was rolling Two. dice when you were just a tearing your daddy's condom. <laughs> <laughs> True story. <laughs> so okay. Myself, I like point by systems if I have a character concept. Really, Mr. Gerbs? If I don't have a character concept, I want a random, completely random system. That's a very valid point. Cause, yeah. uh, and how often yeah. do you show up and you're like, fuck, I don't know what I want to play. God no. damn it. And you have to if you're going into a point by right. game. How long does it take you to come up with a concept as a side It depends. Question? It depends. Um, sometimes it's pretty quick. Um, the more I know about the setting, the easier it is to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't make a lot of characters. But the few that I have made, it's usually fairly quick. What about you, Stork? How long did it take you to come up with Albert? I showed up with a concept. Because uh, I was watching that, that vampire, the redneck vampire movie, and I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm going to make that kind of character. Mm-hmm. So I showed up wanting to play a gangrel. And then the gangrel lends it. You already... Are you talking about True Blood? No, it was... Near Dark? Near Dark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's called Near Dark with Lance Henriksen in it. Because True Blood is kind of a... Hillbilly vampire. This this is like the first hillbilly vampire. They're driving around in a windowless van, and you know they they. Yeah. Uh, Bill yeah. Paxton wasn't that I think. Yeah, 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 yeah. Bill Paxton. And, that's and right. Lance Hendrickson. Yeah. It's good. Anyway, what? I showed up with that concept, wanting to play like a biker, and so a, a gang girl, and I'm like, all right, got that. And once you once you pick that, all these other things fall into place. Yeah. You know, you got well, he's motorcycle gang loner. Here are all your powers that you get for being a gangrel. So all of us, already all of that stuff gets done for you because I've made one choice. I'm going to play a gangrel. Bam. What about you, Benji? How long does it take you to come up with a concept? It depends on how much I had to drink, really. <laughs> uh, okay. No, there's been a okay. couple times. A one, a one beer concept. Uh, really, a lot of times mm. it's just, okay, if we're throwing, I'll go ahead and say, I'll take over whatever's left over in the party. I'm one of those people who say, what do you need, or okay. what concept's uh-huh. been done? And I'll go ahead and try to fill in the blanks. Uh, usually I can come up with something, you know, improv it out. I can come up with something in about 15 minutes for just a quick concept. Mm-hmm. If it's something where I have, I almost don't want too much time to think out the character. But then you're second-guessing and going, right. well, what if I'm going to do A or B? So I like to do just, like, really quick concepts and then build it from there. Please stand by. We Jesus. are experiencing food difficulties. Food porn. So what about you? How long does it t- make, take you to make a character? Uh, um, well, here, take some of these. Would you like a cake nacho? Uh, oh, please. Oh, my God. That's good. Stork? No, thank you. Um, there is there's also in this bag here... Frostings, which you can put on <laughs> the cake nachos. These are something my girlfriend found said, you need to take these to the podcast. Oh, more sugar. I was really hoping it was an insulin shot. Um, I've got, hold on, hold I on. Got, wait. I got you covered in the house. Wait, wait, okay. wait, wait, hold on. There might be oh. insulin in there. Oh, no, I left that yeah. at home. Sorry. I'll wash uh, it down with the cider, no problem. I don't know where you want to <laughs> put those. 
in Mampajo. <laughs> they are amazingly good. They are very good. It's I'm going to have one yeah. more. It's this bakery uh, up by my house in La Habra. Oh, there's a, I guess, I vanilla and chocolate. So, to all of us, from my awesome girlfriend, Mary, who Thank totally you, Mary. supports... Who Baker totally board. supports me buying games at cons. Right. Yeah, right. <laughs> Paying for shit. Uh, thank you very much for the email. And I also would like to, to to mention that Uncommon Man suggested the very same topic on the forum just this week, I believe. Prescient. So uh, About class-based and such. Oh, gotcha. That's did, why I wrote did, it in. Did we answer the question? Yeah, I think so. Okay, good. Didn't we? I think so. Is I there, think so. Is there more to be said? Well, we didn't really talk about the hippie games too much. I was the only no, we didn't. Well, he, he didn't I, I don't specifically ask about that anyway. I, I, I don't. I don't think. Just because you don't like them doesn't I know, mean you I've have heard to that. Okay. It. <laughs> I'll admit it. I'm not a fan of the hippie. World no, that's games. what I was just going to say. Is I don't. <laughs> I don't think the four of us here are, not are big them. hippie games players. Well, we're going to get a chance to some. Yeah. You know, we, we may get a chance to play test one. Maybe. Yeah. 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 I'm. I'm intrigued by fate. Amazingly intrigued by fate because I have strong roots in fudge, which it was built out of. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's just oh, those the two words that really shouldn't go together. It's okay, go ahead. I I I'm used deep to, in fudge. I am. I used to be so deep in fudge. Are you packed? I was packed in. fudge. You were in and out of fudge a lot. I was in and out of fudge all the time. <laughs> yeah, like you know, two or three times a week. That's illegal in California. I hope you know. Are we one of those states? <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. State oh, of mind. Okay. Uh, but yeah, so I, I, I just, I don't think that, like, I just don't think we lean that way. <laughs> Paying for shit before it's finished from Max and stuff. Okay, this is a warning from me. The following email comes from an Australian. Oh, no. While most of the civilized English-speaking world refers to this, refers to it as the C word, Australians use it as a term of endearment. See, and for that, and for that, I applaud them. I don't think that's true. I think he's just trying to get us all in trouble. So when no. we go to Australia and go, hey, cunts, they beat the shit out of us. No. It, 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 it's, a, that's it, legit. There's a guy at work who's from Britain, and he was going around calling everybody cunts, and he had to get fired. Because it was just, just like, you, you, can't, you can't call the women cunts. I'm well, sure what's still, up, you cunts? I'm sure it's still profane. Yeah, but yeah, I don't it, think it carries the gravity there as it does here. They had to lay him off. I th- I think it's in Australia it's, it's an HR it's, issue. It, it, that's an H- Australia. No, yes, being Australian is an <laughs> HR issue. Absolutely. <laughs> here, probably. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I think in Australia it's on the same level as dick, which is where it should be. Yes, cunts and dicks should totally be on the same level. Well, if you're tall enough. And just, <laughs> oh, sorry. If not, they've got step stools. And- I should know. I'm sure. Or vertically. Harnesses. Harnesses. I mean, yeah. But but no, seriously, I, I, I think that they're that's about it's like it's like here everyone can in America, everyone can walk around and say dick and nobody thinks twice about it. Mm-hmm. But you you walk by and say, Ah oh, fucking cunt. It's like way up, you know, on the scale, it's like super high on the Richter scale. Oh yeah. But but in Australia I think they're yeah, right about the same. I remember I was walking I was standing wa- walking to my bank and some uh, someone like pulled in front of someone else and made a left hand turn. The guy almost hit hit. It, was, it must have been a woman. Almost hit her. Slammed on his brakes. Screecher. I mean, I, I turn up and watch, and the car's missed by less than a foot. I mean, it was very close. 
She drives away. His window's down. He screams, you fucking cunt! And I bet everybody went, <gasps> everybody yeah. in the entire block, there's probably 25 or 30 people, because it was at the corner of a bank on one corner and a high school on the other one. Everyone goes, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Then he goes, sorry, it's Australia. Uh, <laughs> and so- a rapper. <laughs> Hi, cunts. I'm emailing to bring attention to wor- to a worrying trend that is emerging in the RPG industry. Begin rant. Oh, lordy. Uh, oh, my. Oh, rant? Is this Max and stuff? Jesus Christ. All right. Is it? Yes. Oh, uh-oh. This is something anyone, something that anyone who plays video games will already be familiar with, and it would appear that as video games once drew upon inspiration from the tabletop, now the tabletop is drawing inspiration from video games of the most insidious kind. It's true. Every time I go to play RPGs now, everybody has question marks above their head. <laughs> it's terrible. Take a fucking drink, you mangy pack of cunts. Don't mind if I do. All right. Nummy. It appears that an increasing proportion of publishers are asking for our hard-earned gamer dollars before the project is actually finished. Oh. Oh. This This starts with things like pre-orders, and then they start offering incentives to pre-order. The (laughs) pre-order bonus of a free adventure or an additional class or maybe a fancier cover may seem innocent enough, but really... These are just gimmicks used to extract money from hapless gamers without having a chance to read reviews and find out if the game is a piece of shit or not. I'm, I'm using one of those actually to hold up the corner of my bed. It's so fucking thick. <laughs> Which one? <laughs> Traveler, Traveler 5. five. Oh. Was it that uh, bad? Oh, fuck. They're working I'll let you on borrow it now. Oh, oh really? They've, they've redone it. Can, yeah. I, can I borrow they've it? They've reordered it. They've, huh? Sure, of course. I, oh, I, uh, I, I, I'm, no, I'm, I'm reading it. I'm going to run it. <laughs> I'm reminded of the ending of 2001 A Space Odyssey where he goes My god, it's full of charts <laughs> Top secret Oh Jesus The next progression of this cancerous growth Is buying in the Okay, Australia Beta stage Ah, uh, really? I think so Buying in the beta stage In the beta stage Zed. From down We under. would say beta Yeah, we totally would it's like a like a beta car. I don't know. You can or, beat a cunt if she's not behaving right. Or, ha- <laughs> <laughs> or Happy Jacks over to podcast. <laughs> what? Apologize. What? It's a Herman Endearment. He says so right here in the very beginning. Or Alpha Beta, the store. <laughs> this is where the company not only asks asks you to part with your cash, but then asks you to play test their broken, unfinished manuscript, causing you to use up mental mileage before the product has reached a level of quality that is worthy of your attention. You are also doing the work that the publisher normally would normally have to do themselves if you weren't such an impatient douchebag, not only for free, (laughs) but you are paying them for the privilege! Mongoose is the latest offender in this category, charging $20 for the second edition of Traveler before it's done, and expecting paying customers to finish the fucking thing off for them! Right, you get to pay to be playtesters. Yeah. I, for one, will wait until (laughs) all the suckers have done the hard work, and then... Some and then read some reviews of the finished product to ensure it isn't <laughs> as shitty as Traveler Five. <laughs> Live and learn, eh, Stu? Yeah, but to be fair, Traveler Five was not Mongoose. Mongoose makes some very good products. 
Uh, yes, I, they, they haven't do. let me down yet, even with their RuneQuest and Legend and all that. I, I right. like what they make. I like what the packaging. Mark Miller makes terrible products. His original Traveler, terrible. It's hard to read. Scattered amongst three books. You had to like... Oh, no, no, three no. Out, I disagree. I disagree. Tra- it, it, first the off, fact that you had to, like, um, they had to make a reprint that said eight at the very beginning because they didn't put the target number anywhere in the books. One mistake. <laughs> the book, the books okay, that's were kind of a big mistake. Three books that thick. Yeah. They were thin. Yeah. And, and, and it was a complete ro- uh, science fiction role-playing game system. Did you they ever... gave you the ability to build, to build star systems and the ability to build starships, all the equipment you need, and you can build what, like eight, or di- eight or nine different kinds of characters. It's also, it, it was very complete. And for its time in 1977, that was earth-shattering. Come on. Did, it, you, did you ever... I'm sorry. Go ahead. It was heads and above. It was heads above chainmail at the time, or Dungeons and Dragons. That's it, what I was going to say. Once again, it, there was a lot of printing issues. There was things like that. So for where it was at the time, it was a great system. Nowadays, it sucks ass. Could have. Did you it, read? Did you read the original yeah. little brown books of D anD D? The three original had, books came out. Yes, of course. I had them. So I, did I. I. May still have them. I even had a copy of Chainmail. Yeah. But I don't know why he didn't put them all into one book and then give us a con- or roster of table contents. In the well, no, it, well, it was sold in a little box with three yeah, little books. But, yeah, but just, just like, like just like D and D, and it's like here's the book the players need to make characters. Yeah, yeah. here's the book you need to make worlds, and, I, for, and then the third one was adventuring. It was worlds and, yeah. worlds yeah. and adventuring. It had some other things in there too. Characters and combat, worlds and adventuring. I forgot what the third one was. It was the green one, wasn't it? No, they were all black. The, the original three are all black. I don't remember now. Someone will say in the chat room, angrily. Well, I, well, I totally want to check out your Traveler Five, just because. Oh, that, and that was a <laughs> bring a card, wasn't it? Move it out of the yes, house. it was. I just spent a hundred dollars on it. <clears throat> oh, got some dice out of it though. I got the nice dice. Yeah. I like the dice. I got a I like dice, dice in a little Traveler section, like a section of like out in the middle of the Spinward Marches somewhere. It's terrible. And there's a planet named after yeah. me too. There's a planet named after you. It's named Stew. Planet Stew. I don't remember what it. No, and no, we're not no. named after us, but you you become like the governor of a planet, right? You yeah, get, like the little. Card I have a little a, card that says I'm the right. Duke of Earl. I don't Duke, remember. Duke, I picked a star, Duke, a traveler Duke. star system. Like, that one, that's the one I want. I said, okay, Duke of that. Well, when we find that place, I'm the boss of them. Yeah, Venable Duke of Douchedom. Right. <laughs> <clears throat> then we have Kickstarter. Oh, oh Kickstarter! God. How I loathe the. He said you, but it should be. Thank you. The? The? Mm-hmm. Here we are, in many cases, asked to pay money for a product that is not only unfinished, but may, may not even exist yet outside the imagination of some cunt with a webcam and an elevator pitch. Yeah. <laughs> not to mention the horrendous project management practices that are baked into the system. The, a blank check as budget? Check. <laughs> Scope creep in the form of stretch goals that can be added at any time? Check. Zero accountability? Check. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, due to the zero barriers to entry, Kickstarters are fucking rampant, but thankfully, easily ignored. So, my cuntastic gaming friends, I implore you, do not encourage this behavior on the part of publishers. Do not back Kickstarters. Do not pay money for beta tests. Do not pay a single penny for a game until it is completely completed, published, and has been reviewed by a, a trusted source. Only then, when the dust has settled and the publisher has actually produced something that isn't utter shit. 
consider getting your wallet out. Now, now my mother was a, grew up on a dairy farm, so utter shit means something entirely different to me. Yeah, that would make you really sick. Wouldn't that be utter? A U-D-D-E-R shit? Me. I'm sorry. This explo- <laughs> exploitive behavior will only change if we as gamers make it change. If we keep rewarding publishers for fucking us in the ass, it will continue to get worse until it is just as bad as the video game industry where they don't even check if character models have faces before releasing the game! Regards, Max and stuff. Thus endeth the profanity. He does bring up some good points. We are awfully forgiving of, well, you know, they they didn't get their stretch. That's that's fanboyism. Yep. I have never backed a Kickstarter. (coughs) Ever. (laughs) I've backed about ten. No, I know. And everybody I know who has backed Kickstarters, has at some point said, I still haven't got that product. I've been fucked twice. Yeah. yeah. Robotech Tactics. Two years overdue and I only have half the product. I follow a blog where this dude just tracks nothing but failed Kickstarters. Yes. Yeah. And it, some of the shit that goes on it's is awful. amazing. The the recent Kickstarter for the um, Knights of the Dinner Table live action. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a fucking soap opera, man. I mean, they, that should get daytime soap opera awards because it's just so chock full of of horribleness and drama. It's amazing. Really? So it's a cluster oh. bug? Yeah, it's Ken Whitman. It's well, that's okay. Yeah, uh, Ken's Ken's a great guy. Uh, I've seen some great products out of him. He was one of the yeah. people involved in the D twenty. You know, the yeah. oh, he's part of the OGL licensing years ago. So I'll yeah. just leave mm-hmm. that there. Okay, but. He's been doing a lot of, I think he's behind, I'm not sure, I could mis- be misquoting this, but I think he's behind a lot of the media nowadays of taking game IP uh, and making them into movies. I think he might be behind Traveler right now, but there was a whole clusterfuck going on with Gen Con and uh, Jolly Blackburn, who was the originator of Night Nights of the Table. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They had to pull a lot of things together at the last moment. And this is just the tip of the iceberg, what's been going on with this one. Yeah, it's really? amazing. Oh, yeah. it's just... I actually didn't back that one. For once, I didn't back a bad horse. <laughs> you, you know, the crazy thing is, is they released one episode. He actually did release one yeah. episode. It was entertaining. I mean, it was cool. And the people he picked to play the characters actually looked like and embodied really well. The characters from Knights at the Dinner Table. I mean, it was really good. Well, he's got people from Dead Gentlemen, so that yeah, totally, that... yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the gamers and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, but it was really good. Uh, it, it, but my my whole thing about Kickstarters is I know full well going into it what I'm getting myself into. I think if people have have high okay, expectations, I'm calling bullshit because you? you still get annoyed over over uh, Tales from the Floating Vagrant. Right, I, I am annoyed on that <clears throat> one because of because of the the taunting he's been doing. <laughs> But it seems that way. Everything Spring. else, I'm like, I knew that Traveler Five was a gamble, and I got. It. I'm like, that's terrible. But uh, I, I knew that going in. You know what? As much as I give Mark Miller shit, we got the book. We did. Yeah, and that's a lot more than a lot of Kickstarter right. backers can say. Now, on the flip side, like what Mongoose is doing with their beta, I don't particularly have as much of a problem with that. They're saying, give us twenty bucks, we'll give you the beta when it comes out. You get a twenty dollar discount off whatever right. it costs. Right, I, uh, that seems fair. I kind of did because I was, I mean, I was you can always it, just like, not buy that. You can always yeah, yeah you then, can not yeah, buy yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I kind of did because it, it seemed to me that as Max and stuff alluded to that they're basically we're paying them to be their play testers. Oh, oh totally. Yeah, only if we play test it. Well, yeah. 
I don't know. It seems a bit... Uh, but it, looking at the game, it doesn't look like it's going to change demonstrably. Yeah. Really. I, I've looked at it a little. I, uh, uh, I one of the things they've added during character creation now is uh, er, like an early life phase. You went to university or you went to prep school or you went to a military academy before you start your actual careers. So there's like an early phase to character gen now. I remember when the DM's guide came out, there was like, you, you could pick like an occupation you had before you became an adventurer, like Forrester. Right, or yeah, yeah. yeah. Something so, similar. Okay, yeah. That Kickstarter kind of sucks. Speaking of travel, <laughs> crazy campaign ideas. Could it work from Andrew from Yorkshire? Now then, I've got a crazy idea for a traveler campaign, and I'd love to hear what you guys think about it. Do you think this could work? Are there any suggestions for making it or, or for running it? I'm starting a traveler campaign shortly. This is a largely planet-bound campaign where the aim is to discover and uncover a big conspiracy. My crazy idea is that each player gets two characters, a regular traveler PC generated randomly as per usual, uh, a mover and shaker, someone at the top of a government, business, or military. These are pre-gens, but are much more freeform of other traveler PCs, and they don't have and shouldn't need stats. The movers and shakers will have three main pieces of information. Public objectives, these are the worthy aims that they share with the general public. Private objectives, these are the innermost aims, with much less worthy than their stated objectives. Trouble, this is the, be- this is the thing that they want to keep quiet, which is ultimately going to cause them grief. The spurned lover, the crime they think they got away with, the blackmailer, etc., at the start of each session, players get to play a short scene featuring movers and shakers. These scenes meet a variety of needs. Most importantly, they let the players push the overall arc of the, arc of the campaign in which the regular PCs participate, hopefully generating new and exciting difficulties for the regular PCs. They let the mover and shakers try to satisfy their private objectives while paying lip service to their public objectives. The troubles will emerge in a way that compromises the movers and shakers into going along with a big conspiracy that the regular PCs will uncover and deal with. Whew. Okay. For example, the governor of a barren part of the world, desperate to feather his nest, private objective, meets with the CEO of the pharmaceutical company. Together they plot to site a new research facility, uh, rented lips, research facility where there happens to be a special archaeological site. Later, when the plot leads the PCs to the archaeological site, they discover it's been fenced off as construction work starts on a new research facility. Love to hear your thoughts. Andrew from Yorkshire. I think this is overly complicated, and I think you're going to really kind of puzzle your players quickly because that's kind of that's kind of my initial thought too. They're not going to know who to get attached to, and yeah. I, I get it. You're trying to get them to play your NPCs for you and drive the inter- internal politics. Someone emailed us once about running a game where there like the movers and shakers were people who were playing in like a play-by-post game and the player characters were playing in like a weekly game and when stuff happened on this higher echelon with this play-by-post it would have trickled down and affect the player characters and however it was working i, I don't that's kind of cool. shadow run maybe uh, i don't remember what it was yeah. i don't remember what what, what 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 setting it was but something like that might work or if you have but a form have the, yeah yeah, but to have the player characters do play both roles, I don't know. I, I for me, I, I want to be able to get into my character, get in, and stay in there, and yep. like mm-hmm. work I, I, John Malkovich's mouth, and yeah, <laughs> I, 
I have nothing really to add on this one. I, I agree with you guys. That just seems and I, I amazingly also think, complex. I also think that the movers and shakers are going to be really boring to play because you have such a strict uh, set of guidelines they need to follow that really, ultimately, they're just going to be talking a little bit and rolling some dice, and then, and I don't know. It just seems like it's not going to. It's going to be anticlimactic all the way around. I'm going to play devil's advocate here. This could be amazing depending <laughs> on the PCs you have. Okay. Mm-hmm. Potentially, it could be great, but also it can be a situation where if you don't have the trust of the PCs, if somebody, if this is a group you've been running with for a while and you, you know what to expect from the group, sure, it might work out, but there's such... And here's my devil's advocate to the devil's advocate. They could There can be a lot of metagaming going on here. Yeah. Could you imagine yeah. that? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You could set it up to make sure that your movers and shakers are making a sweet spot for the low, lo- lower level characters. Totally. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Running yeah. roughshod any plans that GM might have. Mm-hmm. And there's also no guarantee that at the start of each session that the, the, the players are going to have a short scene featuring the movers and shakers. It could take an hour and a half sure. of setting all this stuff up. So you, what you might end up doing is that you're playing two separate games in one game session. Where the movers and shakers spend an hour and a half working out their machinations, and then they go in to play the PCs. And at some point, it's going to get really you're like, well, uh, which game are we playing? Which one do we care more about? Which ones? You know, I, I think it's just going to get overly complicated. What about this? Uh, and I, I mean, I've seen this happen before. I've played in a game like this where you had a set of characters that got to a high level, and the results of that game affected the next game, the next generation. That works fine. I've seen that happen before where you have a group playing a set of characters up to a certain level or a certain power level. And then the new characters taking over, whatever's happened in that past game is going to affect that game. That will work. But if you try to run both at the same time, that can be a cluster. It's going to be crazy. Yeah, It'd I'm, be like playing your superhero and your sidekick. Yeah. Yeah. If, you, if you're going to try it anyway... I would run the regular player characters first. And then at the end of the session, so you can limit your time, have like a 10 or 15 minute session with the movers and shakers, basically shaking, like a shakedown, like, okay, here's what happened, what what do we want to do, blah, 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 blah. They finish their stuff. At least that way, once they figure out what their machinations are, you've got a week to prep. An epilogue. Right, exactly. Or, yeah, yeah. Or... Run two different games. Right. Have a separate group. Run your movers and shakers over Google Hangouts, you know, once a week or whatever, and have that, you know, do it that way. My forum vampire game, I think for the next con, I'm going to run a Vampire the Masquerade game set in that same setting, mm, but like but like a city over, mm-hmm. you know, like, like in one of the little suburbs of Los Angeles, so that whatever happens there will affect what's going on on the forum, but they won't ever intersect you know? right maybe maybe i'll run a uh sabat game looking to infiltrate los angeles and whatever comes out of that game will affect the camarilla mm-hmm. game I, I don't know but uh, i think a second game would work out well too i, I gotta talk about, before we go to the next email a little bit about star wars <clears throat> oh sure because the next email is all about right it. and that's why <laughs> i just finished um i read the darth bane series mm-hmm. the, the the books? Yeah. Okay. Um, I, I have like the last quarter of the last book to finish because I kind of, something something distracted me and I stopped reading it. But I just finished the Darth Pla- Plagueis book. Oh, yeah. Book. Have you read that? I have not. 
I haven't actually read any of the Star Wars books. The Darth Plagueis book is freaking fantastic. That's what I've heard. It's almost it, it's like a prequel to Episode One. Yeah, and that because Darth Plagueis is Darth Sidious's yeah. uh, master, mm-hmm. his teacher, and it actually intersects with Episode One. I won't give anything away, but it concludes around the time Episode One concludes. Wait a minute. Darth Plagueis. He's not the Emperor. No, no. He, Darth, Darth Plagueis is the Darth Emperor's... Darth Sidious is the Emperor. Yeah. Darth Plagueis was the Emperor's In episode... Master. Spoilers. Right. In episode... Spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> Who's actually Palpatine. Oh, shit. Oh, what my God. <laughs> what are you saying? In episode three, he tells Anakin the, the, the story of Darth Plagueis. That's right. Yeah. The, the Sith who could overcome death. Right. That's yeah. his master. Yeah. And, and the, so I read the Darth Plagueis book, and... It's basically that it, it it starts with the the Darth Plagueis killing his his master, and then you know finding Palpatine and all this stuff and all the machinations that caused the Senate to become so unwieldy and oh we're going to give seats to the Trade Federation and all this stuff, all that all those things that are happening, are all described in this. You find out who um, the uh, Jedi Sifo-Dyas is. Mm-hmm. The guy who who ordered the Camino, the, the, the army, clones, on, yeah. the, the clones of Camino, and but it, it basically the book ends around the same point where Episode One ends. So it, all of the stuff that happens in Episode One, you're seeing it from the Sith point of view. That's kind of cool. It's it awesome. Also fills in a bunch of blanks too. It fills in a lot of blanks. See, I like the stories of the prequels. The stories of the prequels. I'm I, having watched one through six as in its entirety now twice because my kids want to watch the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've come to a couple of conclusions. Midichlorians are fucking dumb. Well, I, I I have my own. I know I know you do my own explanation on midichlorians. Did I tell you what it is? Yeah, yes, you did. But I want to okay. punch George Lucas for that one right in his face. Right, okay, because here, midichlorians are stupid. Here's some amoxicillin that'll go away in a week. I know. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> but um, but it's a chronic case, so the amoxicillins... The actors who were good actors acted well throughout the entire series. Right. Sure. Despite yeah. George Lucas's direction. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, because they were just good actors. The yeah. guy who played Palpatine in episode six, who played... Palpatine episodes one through three is a fine actor. Yes. So he probably, when George Lucas told him what to do, he probably nodded, pretended he was listening to him, and pretended what he, he was changing what he was going to do, and just did a brilliant job that he did. Because mm-hmm. if you watch him, he's fantastic through that whole thing. Yeah, he is. Sure. And, and what's his name? I have a very specific set of skills. I can, uh, Liam, Neeson. Liam Neeson. Liam Neeson was great. Right. I thought he yeah. was great. Uh, and so is Ewan McGregor. Yeah, Ewan yeah. McGregor Ewan McGregor is one of the finest actors on the planet, and it shows in that. And, and, and the other thing is, I know Natalie Portman can act. I've seen her act. So She's can, won Oscars. So, so can Hayden it. Christensen. You she just didn't in, that, in those movies. He almost, won a, he almost won a Golden Globe. Yeah. I'm sorry. Ray Park's dialogue in that those movies was fantastic. Ray Darth Parks Maul. was Darth Maul. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, fantastic dialogue. Then we will get the Jedi for good. That's about it. Yeah, that was that. There you go. That was his whole dialogue. But I think the problem may have been that you had young, uh, some young actors who didn't ha- necessarily have enough confidence in their acting ability. Enough acting gravitas. Well, well, confidence, so that when the director says, this is how I want you to deliver the lines, 
they did exactly what they were told. Whereas these older, more experienced actors are like, oh, that's wonderful, George. Okay, I'll do exactly yes. that. That's very good. Thank you for bringing that up. I've been acting wrong the entire time. My, my entire, entire life. life. <laughs> Damn me. <laughs> Well, have you heard How could I have missed that? The, uh, I, uh, it's unestablished, but what Harrison Ford actually said to George Lucas during the original movies, mm-hmm. George, you can write this shit, but you sure can't act it. Oh, that's that's <laughs> established. There's okay, an, where he stood up in front of like uh, everybody and said, I, I've been quoted as saying. And, okay, so, and so, yes, I actually I could find a videotape of it. I think, I think, the, the, <laughs> I think the time to debate the prequels has, you know, come and gone. Well, it's, you, you like them or you don't. I like the stories. I hate the midichlorians and the special effects because the spaceship should not look newer than the original movies. But my question is, those books, mm-hmm. um, the one that you just read, mm-hmm. and now we have a rancor in the room. Get the burp. Yeah, yeah. Never mind. Anyway. Um, <laughs> are those? That? What's that, Tim? What's that sound like? Uh, uh, an Ewok. No, a Wookiee. <coughs> it's uh, Ewok. <laughs> that's, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Uh, are those books... I guess that now with the coming of Star War, of Episode 7, a bunch of the novels that have been released that were previously canon have been nixed and they are no longer canon. Are those... They call that... Expanded universe, yeah, yeah. right. Okay. Is, is that part of that, or is that I, still I canon? I don't know. You don't know. Okay. Darth Bane is from the um, Old Republic novels, mm-hmm. um, and 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 Plagueis, I think, came out probably right around the time Episode One. I don't know what the copyright date on it is, but I would imagine it came out soon after Episode One, or soon after the, those three movies came out. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't. It's probably not considered canon anymore. I don't know. It certainly fits. It dovetails perfectly with with mm-hmm. what happened in episode one, and actually explains. Tanner in the forum has, a, has an interesting point. He says the problem with the prequels is that everyone de- uh, defied Different. Lucas, and no one was willing to tell him he was he was stupid or his ideas were stupid. <laughs> deified. Oh, that's everyone deified, deified, deified Lucas, Lucas, and no true. one was willing to tell him that his ideas were stupid. And, but and I do think some people did. Too. I do think some people did ignore him. Yeah, and they. Oh, yeah. and and they came out looking like good actors. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, it was. Oh man, it, 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 here's the thing that kills me: Anakin Skywalker in Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. You've, have you seen it? That's the cartoon one? Yes. Yeah. No, I haven't. Of the two cartoon ones, it's one of them. It, it's the one that takes place I'm between... I'm a horrible geek. I haven't seen any of those. It takes place between episode two and three. Two and episode three. Okay. Mm-hmm. So so Anakin is still kind of the cocksure Jedi. He hasn't turned dark yet. Except in the end, he kind of does a little bit. But that character is fantastic. If they had taken that voice actor... And put his brain inside Hayden Christensen, <laughs> you probably would have saved the film. Because Jar Jar Banks, he's always got a marketing thing for the kids that Ewoks, we had the same nerd rage about Ewoks oh, when, yeah. when episode, yeah. episode oh, yeah. six came out, right? You, the information I've received, that was originally supposed to be on Kashyyyk, the Wookiee oh, yeah. planet. Yeah, well, yeah, it was yeah, yeah. Wookiees. Yeah. Yeah. But it, that's a lot of fur to buy, because yeah. fur's expensive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, with Ewoks, you only need half as much fur for the same amount of people. A third, probably. A third, yeah, probably. All right. But I think, um, 
uh, the, the, I'm in the process of immersing myself in the Star Wars thing because I'm going to be running a, a yeah. Star Wars camp, uh, uh, FFG campaign. So, worst. I'm just going to say worst line in any movie ever. I've been wondering, Qui Gon, sir, what exactly are midichlorians? I want to shoot that kid. <laughs> Exposition. That I, yeah, exactly, exactly. But I told you. Go ahead. My, my, my retcon theory your, for your retcon theory for midichlorians is actually pretty good, and I actually stole that from the Darth Bane books. Speak it, brother. The, the, in Darth Bane, there's these creatures called orbalisks or something like that. I don't remember what they're called. But there's these like hard-shelled creatures that are like parasites, mm-hmm. and Darth Bane co- gets covered in them when he goes to try to get one of the Sith holocrons, and it basically creates this armor for him that's living, and it is it lives off of the dark uh, the dark dark side force, mm-hmm. which he's got a lot of. Yeah, so. They're attracted to him, and they stay on him, and it's very impo- it's almost impossible for him to get them off, right? But it's like this symbi- almost it's more parasitic, but it's kind of a symbiotic relationship between these things and him because when he needs it, they not only feed off of dark side force, they store it, so he can ac- actually has a power reserve that's greater than what he can summon on his own. So his mana stones. It's like, yeah, exactly. It's uh, mana armor. Yeah, yeah, mana stone armor. My answer would be that the scientists in Star Wars got the whole shit wrong, and that midichlorians are actually just a microscopic organism that is attracted to the Force. Yeah. So if you have a lot of midichlorians, it's because you have a lot of Force. Lot of force. It's not the source of it, so if you take an antibiotic, you don't suddenly become a normal person. Yeah, and that Although makes, I do like that idea. That makes sense. That's actually, that's much better and than, it, and it, but it could be the other way around because there's a lot of things in the Star Wars universe that never got invented, mm-hmm. and, and maybe antibiotics was one of them. Maybe that's why they have Bactine tanks. Maybe that's right. <laughs> Bactine tanks where people put advice on running FFG Star Wars from the Newfie in Porncouver. Yeah, Newfies in Porncouver. You know what? I I I. Call shenanigans because I'm pretty sure Montreal is the porn capital of Canada. Like, I don't. Well, I have no idea. I've, I've heard it is just, just it's. it's maybe gone. he's talking about uh, like homespun, like well, uh, cottage porn. Oh yeah, maybe. I'll like, investigate this further. Like okay. chatterbaiters, <laughs> like big in Vancouver. Maybe I just like saying porncouver. I've been to Vancouver a couple times. It's great. Earl's Fish House. Go from the Newfoundland porncouver. Yes. Tyler says, "God damn it, Tim! Stop being so wrong all the time." Midichlorians are Jedi Beatus. Jedi Beatus? Like diabetes. Diabetes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or is it Betis? Diabetes. Diabetes? Jedi Beatus. Jedi Beatus? Jedi Beatus? Does that make Wolf of Brimley like a Jedi Master or some shit? <laughs> diabetes. <laughs> Get my diabetes testing supplies. <laughs> Thank you for giving the reference. Hello, Stu, and. <laughs> Hello, Stu, and the rest of the douchebags gracing the mics. Ewoks were the creators of Dubstep? I didn't know that. I'm sorry, go. My brain hurts now. <laughs> I heard you drank deeply from the FFG Star Wars Cup and wanted to shoot you some, hopefully, sage advice plundered from the Order 66 podcast and my own experiences with it. One, roll for obligation or duty the rebellion mechanic at the end of your sessions. 
It gives the player a heads up of what's coming and gives the DM some extra time to plan for the effect. That's a good idea because you, you're supposed to roll at the top of the session because you have a everyone takes a certain number of points in obligation mm-hmm. and it will add up to like somewhere between like 40 and 60. And then you roll percentile dice. If you roll below that level, you look on, you, you build a chart with like this person has 10 points, this person has 20 points, this person has 20 points, this person, whatever. You look and see what number you rolled, that person's obligation comes into effect during that game. There's a game mechanic effect on the on the, as well. And would your obligations be things like, I have to smuggle shit for the rebels, and... It, it doesn't necessarily have to turn into the plot of that session, mm-hmm. but something has come up. It's basically put a pall on the party so that everyone loses one point in whatever it's called, the non-lethal damage. Uh, I have a name for it. Mm-hmm. Not coming to not coming right now, and the person whose whose obligation that is loses two points. It's, ah, it's okay. your stress threshold, I okay. think. Uh, and then also in uh, Age of Rebellion, they have a very similar mechanic, but you get a bonus because it's the it's the duty mechanic. Yeah, okay. duty. Yeah. I'm. <laughs> glad you're familiar with this game because I would have just read right by it and just said, yeah, that sounds great. Right, and the whole point is, if you roll it at the end of the session, you've got a whole week to prepare and say, okay, I'm actually going to make it so that, you know, Poop of the Hut is going to actually make you go do something now because you owe him money or whatever. You now have to have a hut named I, re- I really, really don't want to have to have a lot of duty with Poop of the Hut. No, you you have to have a Poop of the Hut. It has to have, to have duties. That has to be the... Oh, oh, to the Wookiee. Poop. Was that you? I will neither confirm nor deny that. Someone does a really good salacious crumb. Number two. The morality mechanic is supposed to represent the inherent conflict of being connected to the Force. So when the inevitable honor debates occur, damn, I meant to say morality, stork. (laughs) Remember this. The Force cares not why you did it, it only cares what you did. I'm holding, holding for comments. No comments. Number three. When I got my head around the advantage-disadvantage system, I found that it actually reduced prep time. This was mainly because whenever a skill check came up, I always asked the player what they wanted out of the check and used advantages-disadvantages as a guideline to further shape the results on the spot. Okay, that's the, like, the second tier of stuff that you roll on the dice. Um, can I finish number three before you call Oh, me? Go ahead. This time the dice aren't holding you back, man. Go ahead. <laughs> like you wrote it, there's uh, um, success and failure on uh, uh, in the dice pool. But there's also um, uh, it's advantage and something else. It's not disadvantage. It's like danger or something. And then, but it's like you can so you can have a success, but you can also have something bad happen as a result, or you can have a failure, then something good happens, or vice versa, etc. Four, come on, number four. <laughs> Number four. I found that combat works best when you use the advantage-disadvantages to constantly change the scene (coughs) and keep things interesting. The mechanics reinforce this, but they do not dictate it. 
comments? No. Okay. Number five. Space combat is incredibly lethal for anyone in a starfighter. The X-Wing-styled ships. So unless that's what you want, make sure to put the PCs in something that can take a hit. You can't fit a whole party in an X-Wing. Yeah. It would just be really tight. Unless it's a two-player party and one of the players is a droid. Or maybe three. It would be really tight. Uncomfortable. Number six. (laughs) (laughs) It's like David Linneman's top ten list. Number six. (laughs) Number six. The system (laughs) handles... Number six. The system handles mixed groups of Force users and normals really well. The Force user has to spend considerable amount of XP... (coughs) Nerfed! Uh, Not in the new book. (laughs) Just got it today. Oh, did you get uh, Force and Destiny? Force and Destiny today, yeah. I haven't started reading it yet. Destiny! It's nice. No escaping Destiny! (laughs) (laughs) The Force user has to spend a considerable amount of XP on their powers that those without the Force will spend on being badasses in their chosen area of expertise. Yes. P.S. There's a great FFG Star Wars actual play podcast done by the one-shot podcast people called The Campaign Podcast that straddles the line between radio play and table action. I don't think that's actually the name of the podcast. I think there is a problem there with the editing. I think it's from so it's not, Cooper. I <laughs> <laughs> See, and you know, it's not capitalized or anything, so I just assumed that that was the name. By the one-shot podcast people called The Campaign Podcast. Yeah, straddles the line between <laughs> radio. Okay, straddling it's, and porn. It's done by the one. Sh- that's right. So. It's done by the one shot podcast people, and it's called "quote the campaign podcast that straddles the line between radio play and table action." Unquote. I don't think so. No. Okay. PPS. That's a terrible name if that is your name. Although, good link bait. Are you absolutely sure about that? Nope. Oh, good because PPS only a Sith deals in absolutes. I do deal in absolutes. Yes. It's Darth Stew. <laughs> Email from from Zaris? Charis? Charis. So back to me? Who hasn't read? Uh, I think we've all read now. So oh, then it's back to Benji. Oh, that's right. Harumph. Harumph. All right. Hello there again, O Archons of Dusharia. Zaris, read... Oh, okay, sorry. Uh, read Charis here again. With a more soberly written letter. That's a shame. No attempts to force my language <laughs> on you this time. I've learned my lesson. He's from Poland. I have he no idea. He tried I- to teach us Polish. How'd that work? Not very well. Oh, okay. It was a great joy to have you uh, to have been read on your show. I finally caught up. Uh, sorry, but I finally caught uh, caught us with your. Hmm. Okay, I think, I think, I think it means I, I finally it caught up, up with yes. your entire backlog. In four months' time, and with a speed bump in the form of the HP Pondcraft along the way. Fantastic show, by the way. Oh, yeah. Yes. Now, I'll have to find something else to fill the emptiness between your shows. Oh, mm. Masturbation. <laughs> uh, we also have some actual plays. <laughs> yeah, listen to the actual plays. Luckily, your advertisement of other shows in early season 14 was timely. Now I'm plowing through the postcards from the dungeon and have my sights set on Fear the Boot right after that. Fantastic show. Mm-hmm. Maybe by the time I finished, I'll decide to re-listen to your log again. What can I say? I'm a glutton for punishment. And you must have really long rides in Poland. Yeah. That's a, that's a lot. A lot of free time. 
I'm really thrilled, not only by the fact that MOS kicked off in earnest. Okay, now once again, that's the uh, Mode of Sin, correct? Mode of Sin. Kicked off in earnest, but also because of the Sabat Center test play of Kurt's game. Still no Diablery, but one can't have all he wishes for. (laughs) All the players were splendid, and Jeff's portrayal of of the pack of La Sombra was excellent. On the Motosim part, the best moment for me was when the players learned the Toreador Sheriff was brother to the Nosferatu Prince. Hmm, okay. Spoilers. Oops. Yeah, spoilers. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. No, that was two That was two sessions ago. So when, when do we stop doing spoilers for actual plays? One session. So One the, session. The, the session we just had, give a spoiler thing and don't... And so give a spoiler favorite. alert for MOS 3, yes. but no longer for MOS 2. MOS 2, no. All okay. right, then you heard nothing. Okay. But that's, that's from MOS 2. We're oh, that was, that's that was 2. This made the twist I've put on the Ventrue Primogen in my... Uh, Elwell 1920... I believe that that's pronounced Lwów, because I believe that Wolf? is a Polish town. Oh, really? I thought it was like a smaller version of World of Warcraft. For That's, it's it's little World of Warcraft. That's <laughs> L. Wow, little chiba no, figures. I, yeah. I, I, <laughs> it's still chiba figures. That's I think hysterical. that that's. Uh, I think they mentioned that in Schindler's List, which is a movie I watch frequently. Lavolf. Cool. When are you feeling down? You want a lighthearted comedy? <laughs> yeah, yeah, Schindler's right. List. Are you I, just feeling too good about yourself? You watch Schindler's List. I, I, I am I am perverse, and people have stared at me crazy when I say this, but I find it to be actually. An uplifting movie. It I is an uplifting like, movie. I like to watch it. Especially the end. Oh, Sophie's Choice is better. You know, when you get to see... Oh, I haven't, I've haven't. i never seen Sophie's Choice. Oh, it's oh, it's that's... uplifting. You'll love it. <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah so feel-good hit of the summer. Feel-good, yeah. <laughs> anyway, when I've thought to be clever and surprising seem a bit tame. The twist was of true, an older Jewish merchant, kept his younger brother as a ghoul. Devil and proxy in the mortal world. Hmm. I'm looking forward to the further development of the saga. Maybe in one of my next letters I'll recap the background of my saga, along with a brief description of those few episodes we had before it was staked and left waiting for us to have time to pick up <laughs> on it again. Interesting choice of words there. Perfect. Let, let's put a stake in it, and we'll come, we'll come, back, we'll come back to that later. <laughs> Topor. Okay. It's just paralyzed, yeah. <laughs> It was especially pleasing to hear the Nirishima pe- uh, that Nirishima piqued your interest. Unfortunately, the system hasn't been published outside of Poland. But having finally finished my BA degree, I finally have time for other things, amongst them translating various texts. If you would be interested in, rec- in recording at least one shot in the setting, I'd be more than happy to provide you with a translation of either. The setting description and fluff, if you prefer to run it in a system of your choosing. Moment of truth, maybe? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm going to run that tomorrow. The above-mentioned plus Savage Worlds conversion. I hear Jib's ears perking up. (laughs) The whole whole bloody rule book. Be warned, it'll take some time, and unfortunately the rules are quite clunky. What say ye? I would say, if you send us the session, I think we could could run a a game uh, of the setting. Yeah. Don't don't try to do the whole rule book. Moment of Truth? Yeah. Who's in your who's moment of truth tomorrow? Bill, Elsbeth, Dave, Jib. Oh. I think. Yeah. I, I it came up with a new setting. It's called um Oh fuck, what did I call it? Are you using the new rules that you came up with after the Yes. Yeah, it's um, just, um, yeah, it's, it's the, the, the the new moment of truth is out. You can go to angryfolk.com slash M O T and you can get a copy of it. 
It's got all the revisions in it. Um, there's still some stuff that's not quite com- not not in there yet, but all the basic game mechanics are there. But I'm running like a 1960s. It's kind of like Mission Impossible, but a band of mercenaries. Oh, right. They had a name for it. It was the name of the team, which was the Mobile Danger Force. Now, oh, are that's you gonna, cool. Are you going to do Mission Impossible like the television show, which was like more psyops and sort of, you know, infiltration? The television stuff? show, if it was written in the 1930s. Okay. Because the thing that bothers me about the Mission Impossible movies is that <laughs> Tom Cruise nothing to do with the television no, show, no, which no, was no. all about if you got discovered in the television show, you were disavowed and right. you were, you know, even the tapes exploded. But I, I, I wanted to set it in the. I wanted. I, I, I was struggling to try to figure out what to run. Then finally, I, I'm like, I did one of those random generation table, like uh, uh, scenario generation tables. You've done that a couple of times, right? And I said oh, on an island. Oh, something on an island. That would be fun. I'm gonna do something on an island because islands are like mysterious and shit. And then I started backtracking from that. And at first I was thinking, like, maybe a pirate game. I'm like, no, nah, I don't know a pirate game. If they end up on the Moda Sin, only, no. only it's... Oh. <laughs> no, it's, on the, it's, on the, it's off the East Coast. It's, uh, I made up a fictitious island that's, that's near Cuba. That basically there's a, a, a corporation that was building a dam on this island um, for, you know, hydro... Electric? Hydroelectric power. And... Um, and then a Marxist revolution happens, and like they have to go and rescue the people who are being held captive in the in the project manager's um, villa, and he's got like some files they have to go and get. So that's kind of the overarc of that. It's not the villa; it's a house. It's a house. It's Schindler's are still in the brain. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Feel good, my, my feel good movie. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll, I'll read the next one because I gotta go. So, oh, there you go. Yeah, but. dear Happy Jacks from Rav. Hi, gaming guys and gals in land of Cal. Rav here. First off, I want to thank you guys for mentioning the campaign podcast a while back. Those guys are hilarious. One shot is great too. I cherry pick the episodes depending on game system. Anyway, let me tell you about what happened during my last session of my Norse campaign. And maybe you guys can help me with the problem I ran into. Pause real quick. Pausing. This... To you too. This guy just references the campaign podcast (laughs) done by OneShot. The previous email has the actual podcast play done by the OneShot people... Wait a minute. ...called the campaign podcast. So it literally is... Called the campaign podcast. He just didn't this, put in the parenthetical comma. Yep. Got yep. it. This right. email validates the previous email. The previous email. Are these both people? Are these guys like pretending they're from Poland, <laughs> and it's actually someone plugging their own podcast? Uh, sock puppets, hmm. fuckers, fuckers. Go ahead. Wait, how do you say sock puppets in Polish? During know. the last session, the party I, I'm editing myself, by the way. There were a bunch of things that flooded in my mind. I'm just, Charist, I'm just not happy. Um, <laughs> during the last session, the party had to enter the mind of the party's berserker in order to help the godhood strip Loki diagnose the source of the berserker's corruption. <laughs> like you do. you do, I guess. <laughs> in the berserker's mind, they fought the corrupted personifications of the berserker's rage and doubt with the help of his comrades, a Cossack cleric, a wolf druid, and a ranger who's also a tree. <laughs> Walk into a bar. I am Groot. I am Groot. 
They also join up with the Berserkers' personifications of bravery, Brock Samson, uh, intellect, Spock, and passion, Surfer Dude David Lee Roth. Rage was a giant dire version of the Berserker that could heal whenever he damaged whenever he damaged the Berserker or any of his helpful personifications, and was guided by doubt, which rode on his shoulders, a la Master Blaster. Two men enter, one <laughs> man leaves. Run Barter Town. Nothing but a raggedy man. It was supposed to be a tough fight. I was certain the party would have difficulty against it. The Cossack cleric of Savrog manages to cast blind on the stupid thing and completely neuter the encounter. Damn it. Thankfully for them, I am a benevolent GM and let the dice roll as they may. Every hit Rage made had a 50% chance of missing now. A paraplegic cross-eyed kitten could totally hit him without anything with anything that wasn't a natural one. And to make matters worse, the druid's large wolf tips it with a successful bite attack from behind. Surfer dude David Lee Roth riding him like a giant muscly wave down to the ground. <laughs> they make short of my elaborately prepared boss fight and manage to cure the berserker of his corruption. Everyone had fun, including me, and much character development was had by all. How can I challenge these guys without just pulling a deus mox- machina? Mac Asna. Or the Mac Asna. Right on the page turn. He had a pun and I... I know. Yeah. Fucker. Pulling more challenges out of my ass for the sole purpose of prolonging the encounter. In hindsight, I probably could have put a few more minions to keep them harried throughout the fight, but dang. My main concern is that there's a very delicate balancing point of how hard I make things to throw at them. I'll mow down... They'll mow down everything before them like a harvest wheat, but for the moment I cross over that tiny threshold, it's the party that gets mowed down. Any thoughts you guys can offer would be a great help, Rav. P.S. Take a drink if you spotted the Oxford commas. P.P.S. Happy Jacks don't taste like happy, which is good because the <laughs> guy is a drunk and barely bathes. Okay, here's, here's my first thought. When you say, everyone had fun, including me, and there was much character devel- development was had by all. What's the problem? Hmm. Yeah. How can I fix this? <laughs> <laughs> my players are having far too much fun. That's fucked up. Well, <laughs> right. I mean, my first thought was, surfer dude David Lee Roth, he's obviously a gigolo. You know, he's just Everywhere a gigolo. He and ev- so just throw some girls in there. People know the party's <clears throat> plan. People know that he pays for every dance. Selling, selling each. each romance. Ooh, what they're saying. Ooh, what they're saying. <sighs> but there will come a day... This is starting now. I want it. Oh. Stu might have some insight on this, because I was having a similar problem with the first Eldemy campaign when we were doing 4E, and you were having a hard time coming up with balanced encounters, even though the math was supposed to work. I changed game systems. (laughs) Because it worked. (laughs) That didn't help. But once I got to GURPS, it worked fine. Yeah. Then I was going to be able to have a tough encounter. So do you think that's because... I know GURPS. the game. I was going to say, because yeah. GURPS helped you build balance encounters? No. Or because you know GURPS well because enough and you can I build I knew the game shit. well enough. Yeah. Uh, GURPS is... See, I, again, let's use my staircase analogy. Like, if somebody falls down a staircase in GURPS, you're dead. If somebody falls down a staircase in 4E, they're fine. Right? Well, it would have to be a really long staircase to kill them. After a short rest. If they, have a, <laughs> <after> short, <laughs> if they have a staircase feat... Right. <laughs> so I mean, that's my that's my that's become my test now for games. Like you know, what happens if you fall down a staircase in said you know a system? And yeah, if they're dead, GURPS, you can falling damage is no joke in GURPS. The, the reason I ask that question is because D and D four, and to a lesser degree, other versions of modern D and D 
go really uh, deep into balancing encounters. But I think the only method they give you to balance encounters in GURPS is the point value, and I don't think that's accurate no. to make a balanced encounter. Not at all. Because one 100-point <clears throat> character can be so much more powerful than another 100-point character. I can make character. the best 100-point accountant you've ever seen. Yeah, yeah, he'll be a damn good accountant, but you punch him once he's dead. Right. Stu could make a 100-point speedster that could take out... Uh, Whole, I mean, yeah. you, even, you even talked about it. I said, this yeah, is the feed I'd use, and this and this and this. And when you look it up, you're like, damn, that would fuck everything up. Yeah, and that was my point. That I, I, the balancing mechanic in GURPS is not a balancing mechanic. No, not at all. And that's totally fine. I would say that balancing mechanics in most every game, and I know Pathfinder really well, the challenge rating, I don't care. If you have the right party against it, challenge rating, throw it out the window. Yeah, totally. Hero, GURPS, any of those, they have ways to balance it. Unless you're a GM that really knows that system well, that's not going to help you. It's an artificial way of trying to place it in there, and if your players are smart enough or they get lucky, throw that out the window. So mm-hmm. you've got to kind of yeah. go, if you know the system well enough, like Stu knows GURPS, you're going to be able to compensate for that by knowing I know what my players' strengths are. I know what's going to be able to challenge them. Fuck this challenge rating business. Yeah, right. Now, there's something I noticed that Bill's been doing that the rest of us don't necessarily do very well. And I know Stu's guilty of this, and I'm terrible. Uh, and that's tactics and strategy. I'm not good at tactics. I'm not oh, good at strategy. That's, that's right. Every time, every time someone says, "But I'm not really good at talking to people," so and I, but I want to play a social character. Why do I have to actually role play the social stuff? I'm like, okay, that's great. Can I make a tactics role and just say that I won the combat? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> every yeah. game, every game I've ever run, I wind up losing combats, which should clean the clocks of the characters, right? Because I suck at tactics. Well, and because my they po- can out tactic me. And the, and the problem the is, there's four or five or six of them right. against just you and, and against right. me. Yeah, no, exactly. But that's my point: is Bill as a GM has been using some pretty interesting tactics yes, and strategy has. against us, and it's been balancing stuff out. It's it's kind of the way he thinks. So maybe as a GM, in order to challenge your characters, is not necessarily building bigger <clears throat> and badder enemies. Well, make them B- smart. Bill is a ruthless motherfucker when it comes to combat. Yes, because he he we we co GM'd uh, one of the last Olami sessions. The first time around. And it was in GURPS. And you guys were fighting a demon. I don't know if you remember that. And he was... He had this yes. big, big bitch demon. Who's, was, who's, was that the one where the sorcerer went down the wrong hall or no, something like no, that? No, that was in 4th edition D&D. Oh, okay. This is after the it had changed game systems. But he, he basically had like two or three like small demons and this one... It's fine. And this one huge demon that had like a pickaxe, which is like the worst instrument you or, or weapon you want to see in anyone's hand if you're going up against him in GURPS. Because the pickaxe is fucking brutal. Because it does Cause it's gonna do huge amount of damage and it's impaling damage. And it's impaling, it's so whatever it's goes through awful. is multiplied by some... Cr- like it's double. five or double or multiple double. by five. Everything gets best armor with strength and everything. Yeah. So, and, and this thing had a strength of like... 24 or something. Oh, I mean, the amount the of damage ever. it was doing was just mind-blowing. It had to be rolling like five dice but, plus but that, something. That's something. not enough. And, and, and Bill was running the combats. And I was just running the game outside of the combats. Bill's calling called shots. Because mm. he looked at the skill care, skill level of the demon. He's like, yeah, okay. I'm an all-out attack to the eye on Tyler's character. That's how Tyler became a that's chosen how it, of Grumsh, oh, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. But it's... It, and I'm like, I'm like, 
I would never do that. I've never, never done a called shot against Bill's cutthroat when it comes to combat. But like it that. just didn't, it wouldn't occur to you to either to, no. to like, yeah, my demon head's going to do called shots. So I guess that, that valid disappointment, which is play your bag bads maybe a little bit smarter. It's like, why would they stand in the middle going, I'm it, no mere hedge mage? They would they would stand maybe. behind the tower and, and throw fireballs at the, at the party. Or, 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 you know, if everyone had a great time. Well, again, it doesn't yeah. sound like it's broken. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think you're doing fine. It, when he sent us an email about everything, everything was fun and everyone had a good time, how can I fix it? <laughs> yeah. I want my players to be unhappy. Damn it. Right, you know, it's next time go. you have an actual problem. All right. Good, good night. Lucas? Bye, Stork. Bye. Sleep well. Don't let the bed bugs bite. Bye, oh, Condingos. I, I hope to God you never get bed yeah, bugs. Me too. <laughs> those are the worst things in the world. Take care. Gaming horror story from Carlos in Brazil. Hijackers. I think it's my turn to. Oh, I'm sorry. Go. Uh, so I can't correct you, but I can take reading emails away from you? Sure. <laughs> FNG. Anytime you want. <clears throat> Don't just call me I the just, FNG. I just shh, coughed. Can you re- read that email, please? <laughs> shh, just, shh. Just read. Just read. <laughs> <laughs> when a problem comes along, you must zip it. You must zip it. www.zipit.com Such an asinine film. But funny. Sometimes. No, the first one, I laughed my ass off. He's making another one. Is he really? Is he really? Yeah. (laughs) Okay, by now? By now? Played out. Just a bit. But the first one, especially when he's stuck in the little tractor in the hall. (laughs) (laughs) Dude, I laughed so hard. I I almost pissed myself. Hi, Jackers. Here is Carlos from Brazil. Play as you wish with the accent, but we do not speak Spanish. Okay. So do not come here with any Mexican accent, okay? Si. Si, senor. Orale. <laughs> Orale. Portuguese. Portuguese? I could be Castilian. I do with no. really good. Portuguese. They speak Portuguese. Portuguese. In, in uh, Brazil, yes. Brazil, do they? No, yeah. I know nothing about Portuguese. Portuguesa is, I think that's it. That's so, I You're going to read the email, right? I totally <laughs> read the email. <laughs> so, <laughs> I started listening to you guys uh, by a comment in RPG Circus Podcast and tried one episode a couple of years ago. After the first episode, I thought, what a bunch of jerks drinking and saying nonsense. Looks like they're talking in a barbecue drinking beer. He's Russian? <laughs> That's, I don't know what that was. <laughs> I was trying to do Antonio Banderas, but it came out bad. Okay. Then I decided to try another to see if I was wrong. Thank you. I was not wrong. That's right. <laughs> All that was true, and I love it. Keep doing it and drink. Right. I'm empty. Now, I'm wine. Sorry. That's okay. Now, that's a good wine, by the way. Oh, thank you. Yes, I have to. Thank you. Oh, I didn't make it. It's not pineapple. It's uh, apple. This oh, is uh, Mauser's choice. Mauser's choice. Okay, so twenty three ninety five a bottle <laughs> for that. Yeah. Is that good yeah. or bad? That's uh, I don't know why. For, that's it's good for an import. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. Thanks. I sir. mean, you can buy Very two dry. buck chuck for well, I don't know, probably what about six bucks now. You can buy crappy wine for like five dollars a bottle. Yeah, I don't know. I, I go to the store and I see boxes of wine all over the, the place. The stuff really I cheap. usually get is like lower, like the Cab Sauvignon, and it's like uh, probably twelve or fifteen bucks a bottle, and that's 
I mean, this is not expensive. I mean, they, you know, the shit gets up there. Yeah, oh but, yeah. I mean, yeah. It, it's like mid-20s. Night train's getting outlandish nowadays. <clears throat> it is. Yeah. <clears throat> but that's that's good stuff. Uh, Mouser, the pineapple's better than the apple. I'm just saying. My pineapple, it was, it was it's tasty. pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, where was I? I don't even know where I was. Now to my horror story. Now my horror story. After listening to you talking a lot about Savage Worlds, a book that I had at the time but never read, I decided to give a shot and try it with my group. Yay. By the way... I Keep reading, that's fine. Okay, I, I like the sound effects to go on. All right. By the way, I've played for about... Oh, 20 oh, 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 oh. oh how's that for a topper? <laughs> By the way, I've played for about 25 years, GM'd for about the same time, and I have a consistent playing group for about 17 years, since my college years. Well played. So I thought about sci-fi, and inspired by a more pulp feeling, I grabbed an 80 stick figure. I added it here. Sorry if it's in Portuguese, but the pictures are great and show the idea. And here's a link for the campaign site in Obsidian Portal. Link is put in the show notes. Question? Yeah, I'll, I'll do that. Okay, excellent. Feel free to put it in the show notes if you want to. Hork. In this scenario, there are no humans, just aliens. I did some adjustments, and the adaptation of this world into Savage Worlds was very easy. <clears throat> I was excited. I need to interrupt you. Interrupt away. Would love to hear a continuation of the conversation from the end of Mode of Sin, Episode 3, oh, and what right. guest guy might think of the Daimyo Dilemma. Uh, let me guess, did Sploid say that? Sploid, yeah. Yeah. Hey, Sploid. Let's talk about that real quick. Yeah, and then totally. We'll finish the email. Have you, are you familiar with Legend of the Five Rings? Uh, yeah, actually, I'm familiar with Legend of the Five Rings as of Bill's Game of the Con. Okay, right. it got me hooked on rolling keep system. Was that the, um, the you orc. played orcs? Yeah. Oh, I wish I would have gotten it. A little different because it was a multi clan game, right? Yeah. Um, which is standard, I think. Pretty much, yeah. Here's the here's the here's the dilemma, and it, it's happened to me twice now. And I know how I'm going to fix it. Motive sin. I've already figured that out. Oh, poor Lord Anthony. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> here's here's the problem. Uh, you've got a game where you have uh, a society that has a very strict hierarchical structure. Okay. Uh, in the case of L5R, everyone's playing uh, samurai. You have a daimyo, a lord that you were sworn your life to. Uh, in the case of vampire, they have a lord, or you have a prince, or a primogen, or something who is the boss of you. How do you get to as quickly as possible get to the point where the party or the players have player agency, and they're not errand boys for the NPC superior? That I've actually used because I used to run Vampire mm -hmm. back when it first came out. A lot of times there's intrigue going on, and the point of the conflict comes actually from you having free will against your your clan, your primogen, for instance. Uh, this came up with an ex excellent example happened during one of the uh, Dead Gamer Society games at the con. Everybody was put into a pressure cooker, cooker situation where they had their own agenda. And it conflicted with the primogen from their clans. And so there was complete clusterfuck at the end of the game. But it made for a great game and great drama. Mm -hmm. Same thing it can be applied with Legends of Five Rings, I think, except 
there's that case system. I mean, you see it also in any Victorian-style games. There's going to be something where do I follow, and really it's going to be even more for L5R, am I going to follow, you know, my demo? Am I going to follow my the honor? Am I going to go honor, or am I going to start thinking for myself? It creates a really great conflict and really great character development. I don't think it's a bad thing necessarily, but you're going to see it end up one way or the other, especially in the L5R, what I've seen before. Mm-hmm. It's either going to be the end, you become Ronin, and there's the whole stigma with that as well. Right. Or, well, you know, Seppuku. Right. Honestly. Which is L5R, not uncommon in L5R. No, it's, but that's the way the system's built. It has a strict theme with it, as opposed to, like, I think, Vampire the Masquerade. L5R has, like, uh, Legend of the... Not the old roll and keep system seven uh, C. Mm-hmm. They had a certain flavor to it, and so a lot of the things that uh, a lot of players were doing that had been playing other role playing games when they started work, working with the first L five R that was out, it was quite a culture shock. They were used to uh, Oriental adventures from D anD D things right. like that, where there mm-hmm. wasn't that really mm-hmm. murder suited, hobos with yeah. with katanas. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Now we're actually applying the true honor in the pseudo historical you know setting we have. That's the whole point. You're trying to figure out: Do I follow my heart? Do I follow, you know, what I believe in, or am I going just strictly, you know, honor bound to my daimo? Right. And that, for me, what I've seen before in other games I read about before, that was the point. I think even um, I talked to John Wick before. Mm-hmm. Who used, uh, used to he be was, used to be a developer. Yeah, yeah, he, he was one of the developers on it, and did the same thing with Roll and Keep Seven C. A point of that game was. You are bound by tradition. Are you going to break from tradition? And what? how are the consequences of that? Right. So that was part of the whole thing right there. If you're going to stay with a tradition, you're going to have a pretty possibly gruesome end, depending on how the GM is going to run it. Right. I, I don't see a problem with things like that. There's, It's not creating a problem. If there's a conflict, that's the whole point of role-playing games, I think. Is creating a conflict and seeing how it resolves. So mm-hmm. for L5R, it's a perfect way. You may end up, I think if actually you do commit, like for instance, a character has to commit Seppuku or something like that, or becomes a Ronin, that really is a win. Oh, sure. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you've, it's a great story. Oh, the pinnacle of, of, of the uh, dramatic arc for a character yeah. in L5R is to have the opportunity to write and actually leave behind your death haiku. Yeah. So, how do you want to play it? Do you want to play with honor going out? Or do you want to play it, you know, do you want to become your own man? And really, at that point, you're becoming a Ronin. Right. So, and like I said, with other systems before, you never really saw that until that game. And other games have followed, like a Victorian case or different systems. But that was one of the first games to really say, I'm putting this system in. This is the way things are run. This is a strict, you know, honor-bound system. What are you going to do? Mm-hmm. Vampire the Masquerade, it's all about intrigue and stabbing people in the back, to be quite honest. Right. So, There's zero honor in that. Yeah. The, the problem with, with Vampire the Masquerade in situations like this is, especially if you're playing in a Camarilla game, you have this very strict, codified hierarchy uh, above you. You have your... Primogen, and you have your prince, and then there's even positions above that, right. and it's very easy to fall into the trap of. And presumably, th- these people are of an earlier generation than you. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. It's very become easy. formidably more powerful than you. Right. And it's very easy to fall into the trap of. This is 
this person's domain, I shouldn't do anything here unless I check it out with them. And that's... I don't think that we have that problem in, in the moat. I think that we could very easily fall into that. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially because... It, uh, have you followed the Mode of Sin actual place? I've been catching up with it actually during work. <clears throat> so Probably it's... No, work doesn't listen to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a small island over by Catalina somewhere. And it's the domain of um, a Nosferatu named Lord Anthony. He's not the prince. He was effectively the prince's whip until he was given this island as his domain using the the actual vampire the masquerade term for domain it's his his it's his it's his deal and there's only like six vampires on the island four of whom are the pcs so it's it's very easy to fall into the trap of well we're working on this thing and but we better go check with lord anthony and see what see see what he has and see what he's See what he says, um, and and Stork was comparing that against right. the, the situation with L five R. I guess they ran an L five R game where they all felt very stuck. I by think having I to I, check with the in, in the first in the first part of the L five R game. I think I noticed it first. Mm-hmm. It's like the players are all they're doing is going around doing what the daimyo tells them to do. Yeah, and I realized, you know what I need to do? He needs to give them a task that gets them out of the fucking valley, out right. into the real yeah. world. Yeah. Where, okay, here's our goal. Go do it, and that's the last you hear from him. Yeah, and then you go out and do that, and that worked great. And then when we ran the second, like, like the next generation of the game, when everyone made characters who were like descendants of the original PCs, I made the same mistake for like the first two or three sessions until it's like, oh yeah, yeah, they gotta leave. Yeah. You have, well, to, you have to get them away from that. And that's that could become a problem in, in the moat because the moat's very small. Yes. And you've got a solitary dude who, that's his domain. Right. The prince has said, that's your place, bitch. You're the ultimate ruler. No one can fuck with you there. Right. You have complete rule of law. In my game, I fixed that by creating a lot of drama between the Primogen, and there's a whole bunch of Primogen, because there's a whole bunch of vampires. Right. And we were talking about this on the forum today, and uh, uh, I... There's so many NPCs that I can get mired down in playing them often. Mm -hmm. So my answer for something like that is is along the lines of Oh, that's interesting news that you just brought to me. What do you plan to do about that? Okay, that sounds great. Go do that. Right. Just get them out mm-hmm. away from him as right. soon as possible. So have them handle you know, the the big thing about NPCs like that is when I ran before it's like, okay, you presented a problem. Exactly exactly what you said. How are you going to handle it? Yeah. Take care of it. If you don't take care of it, it's your ass. Yeah. How you get it done, not my problem. Just get it done. Right. Why why are you bothering me with this? I'm I'm so far above you. I told you to handle it. Go fucking handle it. Don't come talk to me again until it's handled. Don't come to me with problems. Come yeah. with me w- with, with solved problems. Exactly. <laughs> Here's what I did. It's all done. You don't have to worry about it anymore. Right. Your ultimate greatness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, back to the email. I'm sorry. Back to the email. <clears throat> I was excited. He was talking about his... Uh, uh, and, you know, we should probably... Let me just 
go ahead and flip a page ahead. And holy hell, this is a long email. It doesn't have a name on it. Who do I apologize to for breaking up the email? Oh, there it is. Carlos. Carlos from Carlos. Brazil. Sorry for Sorry, Carlos. cutting your email in half. But RPGs are important business, and that was an important conversation. Yes, it was. Yeah. <clears throat> so, on to the drama. Number one, it all started good. The players were part of a mercenary team, which means pirates, commanded by James T. Cod, captain of the Jolly Rogers Corvette. <clears throat> Get thee to a punnery. <laughs> right? <laughs> Number two, they also have an AI... They also have an AI that helps... Uh, it must be an AI... Like, yeah, like an AI chip or something. Okay. They also have an AI chip that helps out the ship's duties. The AI is named Smee. Maybe it's A1. It could, maybe it's steak sauce. They've named their steak sauce because they really <laughs> right. like it. Right. Smee. Okay, I'm getting this. It's Captain <clears throat> right. Yeah, exactly. Peter we're, Pan. Yeah, we're totally looking at a Peter Pan thing here. Three. First adventure, they started in a distant planet looking for a mysterious idol. They grab it, and they were attacked by strange creatures with big insect red eyes and dark skin. During the combat, one of them vomited on the captain, and he fell prone. Four. After that, they flee, discover a part of a ship inside the caves. The idol magnetizes on the ship, and after they could disconnect it, the ship became functional. All goes bum, including the planet. Boom. I think that's supposed to be it. Yeah, I think that's supposed to be boom. He's writing it phonetically. He is. Uh, number five. Of course they escape, but the captain contracts a strange disease and dies shortly after. They elect the hacker as the new captain. Yes, the hacker of the group. Wow. Okay. Number six. They have no clue what the captain wants wanted with the idol, they just have the next planet to stop at. So they put the idol inside of the safe. That is an important piece of the story. They do not even analyze it or study it. They just put it into the safe. And they jump in the direction of the planet. Seven. After some confusion with the Praetorian Guard, a galaxy law enforcement group that, by the way, were chasing Cod, Cod being the captain of the Jolly Rogers Corvette from above, they flee the planet and strangely star jump without any action from the team or from Smee to a location far, far away. Number eight. They were sent millions of light years far from there with an alien derelict, a huge ship the size of a Death Star. That's no moon. That's that's no moon. They Those discovered... Aren't Those aren't pillows. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's the bum con contempt of art. All goes bum. Those aren't pillows. Uh, they discovered little and planned how to get back. Several jumps would be necessary. Number nine. Long story short, they passed the next sessions, totally ignoring the idol. Even after, in one session, in one session, I got an A4 picture of it and sh showed it by the beginning of the session. Quote. Hey, this is the idol you got in the first adventure, unquote. And some comments, quote, Wow, that's odd. Where is it anyway? Inside the safe, I answered and received back. Ah, okay. So they're not paying any attention to the right. idol that's been shoved into a safe. The MacGuffin. The what? The MacGuffin. Yeah, totally. The MacGuffin, yeah. 
Unnecessarily to say that the idol was the key, right? Well, it was actually a nanocomputer that can take any form, and slowly it was taking control of the ship. Forwarding the campaign a bit into the interesting part, the horror! After fights, jumps, selling unregistered planets for food... Like you do. Like you do. Uh, yeah, I've uh, I've got Venus, and I could use a sandwich right I now. I really use a sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I need tacos. I've got Pluto. I know it's not a planet, but I mean, now it is maybe planet, again, dude. but maybe like you can take some salsa. Oh, dude! I and here's some taco. chips. Oh. Uh, after fights, jumps, selling unregistered planets for food. That's gonna make me laugh for days. Escaping from Praetorian guards, they arrived at an ice planet. Yes, like Hoth from Star Wars, mm-hmm. inside of the uncharted territories. In this planet, they found a bit of the history of the alien race. In reality, they are the human race that was afflicted by a plague. Living in the planet are the Yetis, a genetic mutation of the humans called Solarians by the group. The planet also had two satellites. One was clearly attacked and exploded, and the other has an abandoned military base. The ship, Jolly Rogers got grounded in the planet after an attack of gremlins. (laughs) You're not supposed to feed him in the dark. He he wrote this campaign after a Netflix binge, right? He totally did. We've got, yeah. (laughs) Wow. Oh, man. Yes, like the 80s film, Crazy Little Creatures that Eat Ships, and in this case, survive in space. Space. The gremlin infestation was contracted when they explored the military base in the satellite. That was the cause of the base destruction. Then comes my biggest mistake. I put inside the military base a mass destruction weapon that was used on the other satellite and the planet. That is why it is now a nuclear winter place. And to worsen my mistake, I turned this weapon into missiles inside 12 silos. Yes, 12 silos. Only two are missing. I gave them enough power to conquest the systems. The result of this, they were attacked by a slaver by a slaver race and used one missile. They create a black hole in the middle of the fleet and wipe them out. The remaining slaver race attacked the planet. The players split. Yes, they split the party. One party, using only the group's only ship, decided to ram the enemy ship. The other part of the team were inside the lunar base, and they threatened that if they ram the ship, they will shoot the missile on the planet. They did it, and they shot the planet. Stop now and drink twice. Uh, Yeah. By th- <laughs> <laughs> you want to be spelled? <laughs> By something that I cannot explain, I saved the group doing some crazy tests to put the Jolly Rogers that is at this moment grounded without propulsion. By something I, can- I saved the group. I saved the group from do from doing some crazy tests to put to get the Jolly Rogers that is this moment right. grounded without propulsion. Okay. As they do not have enough food for the survivors, the only chance was to pull was to put everyone into cryogenic sleep and wait for rescue. 
if there is any, on the fucking uncharted territories. Why don't they just take a planet for the food, and then they do that before? Yeah. I guess yeah. so. All of the group, including me, was looking at each other with faces like, what the fuck did we just do? This ending is still topic over beer. This ending is still a topic of discussion over beer, even months later. Morale. Never give massive destruction weapons to the hands of the players. No. Never put massive destruction weapons in the hands of the players. They will use them, even if it's just to see what it does. Yes. But I like Savage Worlds in the sandbox we did, and maybe I will run a rescue team adventure in the future. To end this email, one question. Another system that I am thinking of trying is Fate. I feel it's a bit too hippie to me, <laughs> but I will give it a try. <laughs> I think we had this discussion just like a Maybe. half hour ago. Arm. <laughs> uh, I fought in something different, and I do want your comment on my idea. The group will be minions of a young but powerful wizard in Discworld. The <coughs> oh, excuse me. Excuse me. The wizard is a wannabe lich from a family of wizards that is looking to become a lich for generations, but has not had success yet. And to become a respectful lich, he needs what? A beautiful dungeon, so the team will need to travel to Discworld to find it. The best dungeon builder, probably in Ankh Morpork. Monsters, trap builders, fighting for respect, and so on. Ideas? Suggestions? Sorry for my English mistakes, but I hope I was able to send my message. Thanks for the show, and keep drinking. Carlos from Brazil. You put a lot of stuff in your adventures. You do. There's a lot of a lot of stuff going on there. There's. I would trim them down and make them simpler. That would be my suggestion. Yes. Yeah, a lot of times I'd say the players kind of make... You, know, you, you have a, a rough skeleton outline, you know plot points, even the sandbox. And the players are going to make the adventure for you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Give, give them a problem to solve. You're calling it a, a sandbox. You've mentioned that a couple of times. I wouldn't uh, technically call I don't know if I'd do it. Well, I, I don't know. They, it, it, it may it, just be this is the outcome, so we don't know if this was actually a linear yeah, like, storyline. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that's what I was going to get to. Is you're calling it a sandbox, but it looks like you um, you had more of like a con-style adventure where you were feeding them bits and they reacted on that. Which there's not a problem with that if that's the way that your group likes to play. Um, but if that's what's happening, then then yeah, cut it cut it down some. If that's not what's happening, then you know just let the players run with it. Let them let them sandbox to their heart content and just yes and them and, and react to what they're doing. Yeah, I agree. So on his question about the wizard and the Discworld game, I would that's a lot. That's a lot. What about there's that one video game out there? I'm trying to I'm trying to remember. It was a Dungeon Master or something like that. There's a couple of games out there that actually do something very similar. I mean, it's okay to steal from the best. There's some video games out there that have this type of thing where you set it up and you're the lich or you're like the the head minions of the lich and having to set up the dungeon so it's a reverse dungeon crawl you're having to set up for adventures coming in so it becomes more at that point the only problem is it's going to become more planning than it is going to be actually adventuring because you're where the adventure is going to happen you're expecting other guys to come in and well take your shit 
Right. So, I mean, that that would be a challenge. I've seen it done well in video games, but it would be definitely a challenge to run it as a tabletop game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And what, one of the problems is he's talking about the, the party's going to be get sent to go procure all the stuff to build a dungeon. Yeah, because right? they're going to be minions of this wannabe lich wizard. I need a bath lift. Give me, some, uh, give me a bath lift. <laughs> <laughs> I just can't do a dungeon without a bath lift. A nest of pseudo dragons. <clears throat> you're, you're, you're taking the player characters who are supposed to be your big protagonists. They're the heroes of your story. Mm-hmm. And you're starting out making them essentially errand boys. Yeah. Same problem what we've been talking about with daimyos and lords and, 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 and premogens yeah, exactly, and all that. Exactly. And you have to break that. You have to break that bond so that they can become their own characters. Mm-hmm. And so they have their own story arc and they're and the players are in charge of their own story arc. Yes. Someday I'm going to be my own Dark Lord. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Someday I'm going to be a real boy. Dogs in the Vineyards has a conflict. Uh, do I follow what I understand to be the doctrine, or does what feels more morally right in the situation? And the book has tips for setting up these situations in your towns. I only played Dogs in the Vineyard once. Oh, did that come in off the chat room? It's coming, yeah, it's coming off the um, uh, question and answers. Uh, if, as, if I recall correctly, there was a text, and it would be what the text says. I'm speaking religiously of the text. There's the word. Word. Whatever bitch. the word says. That's what I recall from our game. But I, I've only read portions of the book. I Sorry. Believe that, I believe Sorry there, Dan. I can't give you more than that. I believe that the word was put down by Chuck D, Flavor Flav, and Terminator X. Yeah. How low can you go? Death Row. What a... Don't get me started. I can do the whole song. Once again, back is is the the incredible... incredible Right animal. The incredible D, public enemy number one. Five O said freeze! And I got... I can do the whole thing. So can I. Dude, I I am so far down with the P.E., it's not even funny. I love love public enemy. All those takes are the beastie boys, really. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Gotta fight for your right to party. uh, There's three of us in my IT department at work. And I I thought, and this might be too soon, and I wish Stork was here for this because I think he would get a kick out of it. But I thought, for Halloween, because my company does Halloween stuff, we should go as the Beastie Boys. And we could do some awesome karaoke. It would be Uh like, um, um, now, here's a little story I got to tell about three bad brothers you know so well. Uh, Because one of us would be dressed up like a zombie beastie right, boy. Right, right. Too soon? Three years ago? Something like that. But too soon? You could always go NWA and do Easy E. I do Easy E. That's yeah. right. <laughs> but that would be fucking funny. Easy E would be hard because you'd have to do the whole boys in the hood and zombie voice. True, true. That sounds exactly the same as what you just did before. Because it's a zombie. <laughs> I mean, like, a, how do you know if they're doing boys in the hood or... Fight for your right, or Paul Revere. Zombies don't have much range. No, they don't. True story. And that's it. True story. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I, I, that, I agree with you. I thought that was funny. That is. So, I think you should uh, do it. Totally do it. I, I, I know I want to. I totally want to. We did the, um, when it was just two of us, we did the Fest Drunk Brothers. Too wild and a crazy guy. <laughs> right. Well, okay, I know it was 15 minutes ago, but I just saw it now. What do you want? 
that's Dan again. Oh. Uh, if if Sployd is still in the in the uh, chat room, I think Sployd said Tim's a dick. Fuck off. Uh, no, he's still in there. He he probably did. Um, thank you, Sployd, for reminding me for reminding <laughs> us to talk about that. I said we'd bring that up on the forums today. Thank you, Sployd, for yeah, thank you, Sployd. reminding Tim of that. He is playing in my forum based right by post vampire the masquerade sandbox game mm-hmm. he's one of my most prolific posters excellent uh the game's going along awesomely mm-hmm. uh so awesome that i cannot keep up with it can you run it like a larp where it, it is uh things can simply just happen by player fiat until that's, there's a conflict and then they call you in that's exactly what is happening um, I've given the players tons of agency. They're free to create NPCs as they need them, as long as they're not, as long as they're inconsequential NPCs. Right. Um, they can pretty much adjudicate their own abilities on those inconsequential NPCs, and that's all because if they were waiting for me to attend to every single waiter or policeman or whatever that they interacted with, they'd be waiting forever because right. that's all I'd be doing and, and there are plots and shit going on. Um, so yeah, they have tons of player agency. Uh, I had to shut off user registrations. Mm-hmm. We have 20 players now. 20 players. 15 of which are active on a day-to-day basis. Wow. Yes. Uh, so, I'm looking for a co-GM, mm-hmm. uh, an assistant storyteller, if anyone knows of anyone conversant in Vampire the Masquerade 20th Edition and wants to maybe... <laughs> Benji's hiding behind uh, the, the script for tonight's show. Ain't got time for that. Uh, it takes a lot of time. It's very rewarding, though, because these are probably some of the best play-by-post players I've ever played with. I have to commend you on that. Play-by-post nowadays, I mean, just kind of going back and handling that, uh, that's impressive. I I ran this game for three years, like five years, nine years ago, some crazy amount of time ago. And uh, it was brought back just through some weird random circumstances. And honestly, I didn't think it was going to take off. I mean, like, who wants to play play-by-post today? You've got Google Hangouts, and you've got all these other awesome ways of but doing it. But it doesn't require everyone to be in the same place at the same time. It does not. That's the strength that's, that you have. Yeah, that's the strength. And and uh, I am completely blown away by these players. They are awesome. I, I cannot speak highly enough about them. And uh, if I don't get some help soon, I will probably start failing them as an ST, which is just shitty. But So... All of you out in listener land, if you want to be involved in a really awesome Vampire the Masquerade game, uh, hit me up. Let me know. And if Tyler's still in the chat room, he's probably laughing at me. He left. <laughs> uh, he said you were wrong. Yeah, he normally does. Uh, and he said something else about you, too, that was not fun. Probably less probably than, derogatory. Yeah, yeah, of course. Shit, what was it? it? Was funny too. It made me laugh. But this is but this is coming from a guy who hits his head on the door frame when he walks in. So I'm not. Too well, he's a big tall goofy dork. He totally is a big tall. Goofy okay, dork. kids, I'm out. Timmy, you're wrong. Stork, you're old. <laughs> well, <laughs> he was right on two of those. Right. All right. Should we call it? 
I think we shall. Yep. By the way, the bumper music used at the beginning of the show. It was I do, I, the way we roll and bend some past my favorite one oh, thank so you. far. You need to turn that into a whole song. I love that one. The beat you've got going. Didn't for I? It. I? It's not on the album that I. I did. Have. It's on the first album. Um, yeah, but it's it's not with that cool kind of jazzy beat and the rap. Oh no! Oh no! Oh yeah! That yeah. was a yeah. Oof, boy. I did that a long time ago. Yeah. Oh yeah. It, it's been on forever. Uh, but it, it's. I really dig that beat and the little rap you got going there. That, Next well, that, album, Darker Yeah, that Scott. is. I, I think that is on the second CD. I think that's the Traveler version of Laser Printed Heroes. I have to check. And it then out. I added a rap to it. Yeah, because that's what you did. It's, that's what you did back in the first part of the twentieth first century. It's a little too <laughs> hip for this impending nerd blast, blast. That is <laughs> Happy Jack's RPG. Podcast. I mean that. That's. We're listeners of Happy Jack's RPG Podcast. Thank you for joining us for season fifteen, episode thirteen of Happy Jack's RPG Podcast. My name is Sue. I'm Stork. I rolled a one, and I'm Tim, and I'm the North American Benji. Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next week on Friday at eight thirty p.m. Pacific time. Until then, we'll leave you with a song. Be a dreadful exalted Girls or dungeons and dragons Hero can find the fatal savage lands Oh
program has been a presentation of the Angry Folk Media Empire. Bum, 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 bum.